Welcome back to episode 109 of Warriors Den Podcast. Today's guest is BJJ Black Belt under the Megaton Diaz lineage. It's a old school lineage of awesome martial artists and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners. And I originally met him when I started my BJJ journey when he was a blue belt. And I can say I rolled with him after the podcast. He is definitely deserving of his black belt. Now, people join martial arts for all sorts of reasons, and I asked him about why he decided to learn martial arts uh, and to start, and here is a little clip of the story he was telling as to why he started martial arts. And uh, everything's going fine, but all of a sudden one of the guys goes, yeah, so uh, we're going to be taking your firewood and your and your beer. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Bro, like out of nowhere, right? It's crazy how fast things will switch. Yeah. Um, so my buddy stands up and he goes, uh, no, man, you're not taking our firewood. Yeah. There's a forest right there. You can get your own firewood. We even invited him to chill with us as yeah. well. And uh, so next thing you know, one of the guys had grabbed one of our beer bottles mm. and smashed my buddy on the back of the head with it. Yeah. And it actually cut him from the back of the head down to his neck, about Jeez. a millimeter from his artery. Um, yeah. I think it was 30 staples to put his neck back Did together. It it's a pretty chilling story, uh, unprovoked assault for things that ended up with hospitalization of his friend. Uh, the full story is, of course, in the episode. People go to martial arts for all sorts of reasons. However, a previous uh, physical confrontation is one of the many reasons people do start. But before I get into it, a message from your sponsors. Thank you for listening to the Warrior's Den podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Urban Tactics Karmaga, turning lambs into lions since 2013. If you like this podcast and our content, make sure you support us in the many various ways you can. The easy and free ways start with liking, subscribing, following, and leaving a positive review wherever you may be listening or watching. You can also follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram at Urban Tactics Krav Maga, and Twitter at Urban Tactics KM. You can also follow us on YouTube and Rumble at Urban Tactics Krav Maga. Another great way to support this podcast, as well as our other content, is to check out our blog at www.utcamblog.com. Here you can check out our weekly curriculum, our various blog posts, and general ideas about Krav Maga and self-defense. For those of you feeling generous, you can also click on the Support Us tab and send donations our way so we can continue providing the awesome content you love. And for those who would like a little more for their money, you can check out www.utcamu.com and learn Kramaga and self-defense online as we teach it at our school. You can check out the various levels of curriculum with monthly or annual subscriptions and learn Kramaga so that you too can walk in peace. Small disclaimer, UTKMU is meant to supplement your regular Kramaga self-defense or martial arts training in person with qualified instructors and is not a substitute for in-person real training. And for those of you who want to look as good as I know you feel, you can always check out www.utkmshop.com where you can check out and buy the latest UTKM merch from us. Warning, wearing UTKM merch will not turn you from a lamb to a lion. To start your transformation from lamb to lion, you must start your training journey today. Stay consistent and never give up wherever you may be. Side effects of wearing UTK merch may be chronic bouts of kicking ass, feeling good, and learning to walk in peace. And of course, if you are in the Metro Vancouver area, come train with us in person. Sign up at www.urbantacticskm.com. 
I would love to help you on your journey from lamb into lion. And now back to the episode. Okay, if you are tired of hearing that by now because you're a regular listener, well, why don't you start donating? Or you can skip. I put the timestamps down so you can skip. And for the shop, you can see I am wearing in the video, I am wearing one of our Turning Lambs into Lions awesome sweaters, limited edition. You can see kind of if you're just listening to audio, then, well, we have video now if you have forgotten. So anyways, back to the podcast. So uh, Matt is uh, an amazing martial artist who's been training, very dedicated, even though I have not been able to train with him for many years uh, due to life. Uh, he has continued his journey, and I've been watching it uh, quite regularly on social media. And he uh, recently, during COVID, started his own uh, garage gym, which inspired me to create my own garage gym uh, once now that I have a garage. Uh, if you want to check out uh, him, you can check him out in more detail on Instagram, Sharp Martial Arts, Sharp underscore Martial underscore arts you can just check out there if you're looking on the video i'm just scrolling through it he also teaches at advantage jiu-jitsu previously had one of the owners ryan on there um so we talk about all sorts of things his journey in martial arts we talk about uh, the world around us also wouldn't be shocked if this video etc gets demonetized that's why i post on multiple platforms if you were not aware uh rumble the blog etc um because again i believe martial artists should be more than meatheads and we discuss all sorts of things matt's journey uh my journey our history in the last few years as well as the controversies of the world today but anyways uh here is the podcast with matthew sharp bjj black belt extraordinaire Krav Maga is not just a self-defense system, it is a way of life. Warrior's Den is a podcast for Kravists, fighters, martial artists, warriors, politicians, and general citizens. Consider this. The society that separates scholars from its warriors will have its thinking done by cowards and its fighting done by fools. Lucididi. Your host, Jonathan Fader, talks to guests in an open and uncensored format about their fights, their philosophies, and their lives. No topic is taboo, and the conversation may start in one place and end in another. As the quote suggests, you cannot separate the warrior from the politics and the world around them, as a true warrior must be a student in all forms of art and science. You're listening to The Warrior's Day. The Warrior's Day. Brought to you by Urban Tactics Krav Maga. Turning lambs into lions. Okay, I am back in this new studio space. You can see with the camera. Uh, it took me a bit, but I am here with Matthew Sharp, BJJ Black Belt, and yes, Martial sir. Art Extraordinaire. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good, man. What's up? Cheers. Not too bad. Cheers. Just make sure you're a little closer. So yeah, it's okay, yeah. yeah. I'll move it a little closer. You'll get closer. used to it. Yeah. There you go, yeah. <laughs> um, so how did you start your martial arts journey? Well, um, that was going on 13 years ago now. It's been a while. but uh, A few years longer than me, I guess. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. I think I met you, well, I was probably a blue belt when you first showed up to uh, Creative yeah, Fighter I think stuff. so. I was, uh, I was just uh, back from the military at the time, and uh, mm -hmm. um, 
I was like, oh, jiu-jitsu and MMA from the UFC. I'll try that. I met uh, Trevor at a bar. He was marketing at a bar. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, yeah, well, it's close by. I'll go <laughs> Those are some good times. Yeah. And I was training there, I don't know, six months or so. Mm-hmm. And then I started teaching uh, Common Guy elsewhere. And then it was just more convenient for me to be, be training there. Yeah. Well, you were a big inspiration because um, pretty quickly you started your own gym, right? And yeah. Even you got like the most OG podcast <laughs> out of the... Right? Uh, you remember. Oh, I remember. Yeah. This is a, this is a long time coming. I think I yeah. approached you years ago. Yeah. I to come on this. We just couldn't get it going. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I kept it up, but I was just life and mental health. And I was like, ah, and then I stopped. Then COVID, I'm like, I want to start it again. Yeah. Well, it's funny, all the positive things that can come out of a crisis like COVID. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. For instance, this gym. Yeah. The gym that I created, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to how I started. So I trained, you know, the traditional martial arts when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'll get closer. Yeah, you'll figure it yeah. out. <laughs> I like to move around a lot. Yeah. But, uh, so uh, yeah, I trained all the traditional martial arts as a kid. I loved it. Yeah. Um, but I also moved around a lot and places that I moved didn't have gyms and you kind of just don't continue. Yeah. Uh, but actually how it happened was me and my friends were all having a bonfire underneath the Alex Frazier bridge oh, of all places. Uh, we used to do that all the time. Classic old school Delta boys. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now, we, nowadays you'd be homeless. if you're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. But, uh, so we had a fish tank full of beer, yeah. um, brought all our firewood. It was just me and two other friends and a group of guys came down. And we'd actually knew a couple of them. It's funny. It kind of gets my heart rate going even uh, talking about this story. Nostalgia. We're getting right into it. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys come up. They're a couple years younger than us. Um, I knew a few of them. They had a dog. I'm a big dog person. Mm. So right away, I'm wrestling with the dog. Yeah. And uh, everything's going fine. But all of a sudden, one of the guys goes, yeah, so uh, we're going to be taking your firewood and your, and your beer. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Bro, like out of nowhere, right? It's crazy how fast things will switch. Yeah. Um, so my buddy stands up and he goes, uh, no, man, you're not taking our firewood. Yeah. There's a forest right there. You can get your own firewood. We even invited him to chill with us as yeah. well. And uh, so next thing you know, one of the guys had grabbed one of our beer bottles mm. and smashed my buddy on the back of the head with it. Yeah. And it actually cut him from the back of the head down to his neck about Jeez. a millimeter from his artery um, yeah. i think it was 30 staples to put his neck back did together. it break bottle broke yeah, which, was, him hard, which yeah. was worse yeah. because that slight slashed him right down there yeah. you know and uh man until something like that happens you don't really know how you're gonna react right yeah. so my buddy gets hit with the bottle next thing you know i get hit with a piece of firewood and uh man right away it was like dude take our beer take like yeah. my buddy's freaking dying here you know yeah. and uh it was intense, but they wouldn't stop fighting us. Mm. So I pull out my phone. I'm trying to phone the cops. Buddy grabs the phone from my hand, whips it into the river, mm. fending them off, fending them off. And uh, <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. So there's a drive through liquor store called Tidewaters. Yeah. There's not many of those left, but uh, at the time had a big window. And I was like, I got to phone the cops, man. So mm. I sprint off to this, uh, this drive through liquor store. And I am covered in my friend's blood, mm. like head to toe. And it was like a horror movie, man. I slap both my hands on the window. On the window. Help me. <laughs> the lady looks over and just draw, goes totally white. Yeah. But uh, so she calls the cops. These kids, they take off down the railroad tracks. Um, not to be seen. We get my buddy out. My friend is alive. Derek, what up? Mm. Um, it's good. Yeah. So could have been a lot worse. Um 
you, it's fine. And cops come and it's basically boys will be boys, mm. you know? Back in the day, yeah. We I try guess, to explain, yeah. like, no, man, like, they jumped us, they assaulted us, mm. and cops go, we don't know who started it. Yeah. You shouldn't be having a fire in this park anyway, yeah. so. You broke the rules first. Yeah, exactly, right? So nothing really came of it. Mm. Um, and it was a pretty pretty serious offense, you know? Yeah. But. I mean, assault causing bodily harm is, <laughs> is usually jail time if you get convicted. Like, so. Yeah, like, I'll be honest. It was horrifying. Yeah. And uh, and that feeling of not knowing how to defend yourself, too. Yeah. Like, you don't know how much you don't know until something serious like yeah, that, that happens. Uh, that meme that goes around, it's like the average male overestimates their ability to fight by like 4,000%. 100%. I will say, though, yeah. I blocked that piece of wood with my, my arm pretty good. Yeah. Solid block. Yeah. But uh, so that at that point, man, I was like, I got to... I got to learn how to defend myself. You know, it was no longer wanting to do it for fun. It was kind of like, that scared me. That yeah. was. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I obviously teach self-defense for a living. I find people come because something happened to them mm -hmm. or they want to get ready for something specific. Yeah. As opposed to say like jujitsu, people are like, I saw it on TV. I want to get comp a competition or MMA. Yeah. Uh, some, and then of course, jujitsu is uh, the mental health aspect, but I, you know, I had this, I had a string of, you know, they're not students, but string of people come in. They're not going to listen to this. Um, <laughs> in the last two months, yeah. like when COVID kind of opened up and these are the people who are like, they're nervous about the way society is, yeah. but they're, they're the people who are like pro lockdown at the same time. And they come in and like, I, I need to learn to defend myself. And it's the attitude of, I want to learn to defend myself, but I don't really understand why people are violent and people aren't really that bad and mm -hmm. I, and it's like why are you here yeah <laughs> and then you start talking to people about you know stories like that about people don't care they want something mm -hmm. there's a self-defense expert he's always talking about that they want your body they want your life or they want your stuff yeah and a lot of these young specifically more younger individuals nowadays are like who would be so mean <laughs> and you're like what is wrong with you yeah like why are you here like you're gonna you're gonna unfortunately have to be in one of those situations to wake up and realize. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you, stuff happens. I, I think we'd like to think that people are rational <laughs> mm. as a whole. Well, we know? learned that that's not true this last two years. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not true. And uh, pack mentality, right? Yeah. I feel like that's what happened in that situation mm -hmm. too. One guy starts it, and it yeah. becomes this pack of dogs, right? Yeah. And uh, things can. Uh, go into chaos pretty fast. Yeah. So then from that incident, how did you, or where did you start rather? Um, so it, that, at that point, it was just a thought in my head now. Mm -hmm. I'd like to start training. I didn't like the feeling I had once it all happened. Yeah. And uh, I'm also an electrician. Mm -hmm. So I was actually uh, building a dental clinic beside Trevor's old gym there, mm -hmm. where you first started. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a foot in the door idea, right? Like, I was working there and uh, I... I Looking back, I think I tricked myself into going into that gym. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a, I had a, uh, just a bottle of water. I'm like, I'm thirsty. It's lunch. So I walked into Trevor's yeah. to ask if I could um, fill up my water bottle pretty yeah. much. And uh, got me. <laughs> man, the salesman that he is, he got, uh, he got me and six of my buddies to all nice. start training that next day. Yeah, that's actually good. Usually people don't like starting with their friends. And mm -hmm. if you go with a group of friends, it's a lot easier. It was a lot like easier. Just stick at it yeah. and then train. I'm, I'm the last one remaining too. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so did you start with uh, the jiu-jitsu or the Jeet Kune Do? No, I started with Jeet Kune Do. Mm. Um, but man, right when I was starting was when, uh, you know, Dave Perron, yeah, Showtime, yeah, yeah. he had just got back into it and was starting to do professional fights. Mm. 
I think within a month, Trevor had me in that ring sparring. Yeah. <laughs> we need training partners. Yeah, I was just a, I got thrown in as a body pretty quick there, and yeah, uh, yeah. me and my other friend uh, Trevor Silverwood also were early on sparring partners. But... Yeah, and I remember from like he produced a couple local MMA fighters. Yeah. back in the day in yeah. my gym, especially you know he wasn't he was more Jeet Kune Do mm. and weapons based. So yeah. Uh, yeah, he was an interesting cat that oh, Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I never got into that. I did a few lessons of that, but I just never got into it. Mm -hmm. For me, I, 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 personally, I find coming from the crowd background that the a lot of the weapon stuff is too much. Oh yeah. For my liking, and I like to keep it more military, more simple oh, aspect. Yeah, so sure. I just could not break my training for that. Yeah. But the jujitsu, obviously. Well, there, there's a reason it. it's all. Uh, yeah. Like it's one of the most wildly widely used arts in the movies yeah right yeah um it's a beautiful looking art but yeah. you're absolutely right it, yeah. keep it simple stupid at the end of the day yeah right? like i remember just doing a, a knife sequence he was teaching yeah. and there was an extra movement yeah and i just couldn't <laughs> yeah, couldn't exactly. keep through i kept reverting to my one less movement mm -hmm. and then you talk to like military guys who've used knives in combat and mm -hmm. they're like stab him in the throat that's it yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> so i just could never get my head around yeah. it I did do uh, a Dan and a Santos seminar once. Oh, I, I think I remember when he came here. Yeah, was it, here? it was actually the one before that in Calgary. I didn't oh, okay. know he was coming here. And yeah. I drove up to Calgary because <laughs> I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. And uh, it was doing the Jeet Kune Do striking. I have no problem with that. But mm -hmm. then they busted out the double collie stick. I yeah. cannot do double. <laughs> and, you know, everyone there knows the patterns. They're like, oh, yeah, it's super easy. Da, da, da. Yeah. I'm like, nah, it's just, <laughs> you have to memorize this stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. Could not get it. It's, a, it's its own art, and it's uh, there's a certain demographic of people that really um, that lean into that art, right? Yeah. And it's, it's great for them. I think it's good for motor skills. Um, Trevor would always call it upgrading the software, yeah. learning complicated yeah. and techniques, and a lot of the uh, reaction-based stuff is cool. Yeah. The guy I trained with now is Toby Reyes. Do you yeah, remember yeah, him? Yeah, so he's I still, been on a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. I, I do a lot of weapons with him, and uh, he has much more of a reality-based approach mm -hmm. to his his weapons yeah, fighting, which I really approach, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the Illustrisimo, I think. Illustrisimo, yeah. Yeah, um, so he's pretty pretty cool. So yeah, I was doing Jeet Kune Do for about six months, mm -hmm. um, liking it. I didn't really, I wasn't really thinking about jujitsu much. Yeah. Um, my roommate now, actually, Joe Demul, yeah. he was he started the jujitsu when I was doing the striking. But one day Trevor had uh, Adam, yeah, Ad yeah. Adam, uh, little Adam, yeah, yeah, yeah. come and uh, roll with everybody in the striking class. Yeah, and I could not believe how easy it was for like a tiny little young kid yeah. to just completely control you and uh, dominate the situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when I went, uh, I was going to lunchtime, kind of open mat. They weren't really classes, yeah. and at that time it was like purple belts and up. <laughs> when you know not many gyms were around for jujitsu mm -hmm. and there was more old school and it's just going from like okay you're rolling and getting smothered by purple belt yeah. and 200 pound guys yeah. for like six months straight and then you get over i got over my claustrophobia pretty yeah, quick it's true yeah you, you learn to enjoy being uncomfortable throw to the wolves and then <laughs> and then go but uh, i remember like because some of those guys were like black belts before anyone, at, even the owners of the other gyms locally, yeah. were even black belts. What's well, the oldest lineage in Western Canada, right? Yeah. A lot of those guys you were training with are it's like Brock and Ryan yeah. and all those black belts now. Now they have the advantage, you, <laughs> yeah. which you're repping. <laughs> repping the advantage, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So where did your, like, obviously you're a BGJ black belt now, but when, when did that transition sort of? 
Was it just you? Uh, once I started, uh, once I started rolling, it was yeah. it was pretty much done Game from over, there. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I still done striking. Like I've lived in Thailand for a yeah. while, did Muay Thai. I, I really do enjoy the striking yeah. and the weapons still. But there's just something about jujitsu, man. It's uh, it's uh, they, I think it's because you can go like pretty close to 100 mm -hmm. percent relatively, depending of who the person is, but relatively safely, and you can just burn your energy and really work through the chess moves of jujitsu. While other stuff like Krav, you can't really go 100 no. percent. It's no. not going to work, especially not boxing or, or kickboxing. Yeah. Right, you have to have a lot of control. Yeah, um, which is why I love um, the ties so much because yeah. they have this beautiful way of sparring where they're just they don't even need to wear gloves or anything. Just they're playing, touching each yeah. other, making noises. It's <laughs> you know, it's a uh, it's. And I teach that with my students because I'm like, you, they have to learn to spar. We do it with um, face masks and MMA gloves. Mm -hmm. And North Americans and Europeans just struggle. It's like, you don't have to kill each other <laughs> to get good. Like, I'm not hitting hard. I'm like, hey, did you see how that guy's head whipped back? You're hitting too hard. Yeah. It's like, no, not. It's like, you just tap. And it's just mentally, people just think you have to go crazy. And then you look at the ties and they're like, totally chill. The the caveat to that though is the ties they uh they compete every weekend yeah, yeah you know what I mean they are actually fighting people every weekend so when they're training throughout the week um they can keep I think there's a place there's a time and place for hard sparring yeah um in jujitsu and in in striking right and I think early on you need to kind of have some wars to to find yeah. out about yourself <laughs> what right? can you take yeah. yeah see how you will react in those type of situations yeah and, and that's like the way i approach stuff self-defense it's like when i test people it's like they're hard mm -hmm. because what i learned in the military was a lot of the people that you think are gonna keep their shit together they <laughs> fall apart under stress and yeah. they're the guys who keep getting promoted yeah. because they work well in the system yeah. so i realized like you do need to stress test people like if you want to uh be an mma fighter and you refuse to spar it's like well you have no idea yeah, <laughs> you know something gonna get like tough that for you. or if you want to deal with as you found out unfortunately like violence can be like that and mm -hmm. then next thing you know someone's in the hospital and that's what that pressure testing is for is mm -hmm. you need to be able to handle mentally and physically that you can at least keep your shit together long enough to get at least to safety yeah and a lot of people can't because they never tested mm -hmm. and and then i think <clears throat> there's a point of diminishing returns right yeah. where and Trevor was always an advocate of um, light and technical sparring. Mm -hmm. And I remember that I didn't, you know, at the time you'd go and hear other gyms and train other places and all they were doing was Killing kicking the you. shit out of each other. <laughs> and so I had, I never, I, you know, you start to not trust, like, is this the right way to train? Should I be beating the shit out of my training partners? Yeah. And I think it's proven itself over time. And you see with the higher level MMA fighters now, right. they are bringing it back a little bit they're yeah. not sparring each other super hard you hear people who don't even really spar yeah. during camps now yeah they i think i can't remember who's like i know i can fight yeah um, i think it was max holloway, max holloway yeah, yeah. like i can fight i don't need to do it anymore mm -hmm. like and i think it's the realization of cte and the head trauma mm -hmm. once you like once you know you can do it then it's just you know once in a while mm -hmm. um, and the reality is is when you're when you're fighting for your life you don't get to work on anything yeah it just is you're brawling right and i see you're seeing these guys like max holloway and doing the equivalent of positional sparring yeah. in striking right which is huge yeah um if you look at the best jiu-jitsu guys and it's a lot of positional sparring and like actually like gordon ryan says uh, actually doing jiu-jitsu and not just like fighting each other yeah. like two bulls right
Did you? Uh, they, they were just on the Lex Friedman podcast. <sighs> what again. a legendary <laughs> podcast, dude! <laughs> it's like Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Oh, it's it's unreal. <laughs> it's unreal. If you don't know, uh, Lex Friedman's a black belt. Uh, he's got one of the most popular podcasts. Gordon Ryan's the best guy on the planet right now. John Danaher yeah. is the best coach right now, and GSP is a legend MMA fighter, all under the same sort of training lineage, all on one podcast. Yeah, I, I would say turn this off right now and go listen to that, probably. And then come right back. And then come back. And then come back, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that was an unreal podcast, for sure. But, like, you know, John Danaher is interesting because he brought into the – I know some people hate it, but he brought into the martial arts world the intellectual again. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, it had been removed. Like, for example, Krav Maga, it's like – no talking, fighting, you train. But I'm like, okay, but self-defense is a broader perspective and mm-hmm. we need to learn. Like a good example in the last two years, a lot of people are really confused and don't know how to make sense of left and right. Mm-hmm. And I like to teach critical thinking and talk about my students with this stuff and broaden out what it means to be a martial artist to that old traditional way a little bit. Yeah. Even though I know people hate it. Like I'm not having people sitting and, and meditating and stuff, <laughs> but it's like, that aspect of the traditional martial arts, the intellectual, the spiritual, the artistic, it's, I think, you know, we've lost it. And a guy like John Danaher is like almost bringing it back mm-hmm. in, a, in a modernized way mm-hmm. where you get amazing results, but intellectual stimulation, uh, you know, broad is the way of the warrior kind of thing. Well, it's like <clears throat> learning through, uh, through the fire is, it takes a long time, right? I feel like I wasted a lot of years, quite frankly, yeah. um, grinding without full purpose, yeah. you know, um, I don't know if you watch a lot of instructionals or anything like that. I do not. I should. Yeah. I, I, I know the benefits of it. Yeah. Every time I see a video on YouTube or uh, like Instagram, I'm like, ah, oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not the best student for that. Honestly, kind of I, honestly, <laughs> I, I was not either. Yeah. Um, I Really, the first time I've actually dug in is the Danaher Kimura system. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've been... Luckily, with my job, I work up north. Yeah. And uh, I got a They're lot of time. They're getting you in with the challenge. I got, I got a lot of time. So... Uh, <laughs> But watching watching that instructional has revolutionized my game on so many levels, you know. And yeah. most people can't listen to Danaher talk, but uh, yeah. he's got a particular way about he's it. He's got a particular way. <laughs> At first, I was listening to it regular speed. Then you double, go twice as fast, and it's yeah. great. Yeah. But uh, Gordon had a really controversial line, I thought, but it's it's true in a lot of ways. He goes, "The reason nobody can compete with a guy like Danaher mm. is you can be a black belt." Um, jiu-jitsu competitor world-class high level um we both know that doesn't make you a good instructor yeah and second of all like how do you like how is a black belt from the favelas going to learn how to uh teach you yeah. know danaher knows how to teach how to structure everything yeah um it's just that's its own skill right yeah and like you said bringing in that intellectual side of it and the structure to it when yeah. you see his instructionals there's it's systemized right yeah and uh and then you see guys like Gary Tonin and Gordon Ryan, and it's like, now you can compartmentalize little systems. Mm. So it's like, ooh, I can do the Kimura system. When that's not working, I'll go to the front headlock system, and then I can go to the back system. And you just flow between all these systems, Connecting right? It. And now it's just four things you're doing. You've you've uh, made them into mini games almost. Yeah, and that's it. It brings up an interesting point, like in teaching, like how do you teach for progression? Like in the jiu-jitsu world, for example, you go to some oh, gyms and they're yeah. just teaching a bunch of random techniques, yeah. and some gyms, everyone's getting good because it has a high caliber quality student and mm-hmm. everyone's developing themselves and it works out fine. And then you go to other gyms that are just producing belt factories mm-hmm. and they're not learning anything. 
and then you try to tell those people, hey, look at the quality of your students. And they're like, what? How dare you? <laughs> like, well, why don't you guys show up for tournaments ever? Uh, no reason. <laughs> it's tough, right? As the, um, as the instructor, too, and when you're trying to run a business in a gym. Yeah. Unfortunately, the most efficient way to teach, it requires um, dedicated students yeah. who are showing up multiple times a That's week. That's the hard part. Um, and, it, and it requires going over the same things over and over again. And, yeah. and that... A lot of people don't like that. You nope. know, a lot of recreational people, yeah. they get bored right away. You can see it. You can see them in their eyes, right? Yeah. So try teaching Krav Maga. It's worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super simple, repetitive. Yeah. My white belt curriculums every six months, it's the same. Mm -hmm. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Exactly. Repeat, repeat. And it's the, so it's, I see how instructors fall into that loop of I want to show a cool technique yeah. each time I, you know. Yeah. But the reality is, is that's not going to produce the highest level. Um, yeah. Jujiteros uh, or whatever. Yeah. So that brings up a question, because obviously you're teaching out of your your garage mm -hmm. and uh, also no, at advantage. At advantage, yeah. the shirt, the shirt, rep represent. Uh, so what, how did the teaching come along? Did you start with jujitsu or was there? Because I know you dabble in a little bit all this stuff, right? Uh, <clears throat> so how I started teaching was at uh, the Creative Fighters Guild at Trevor's, yeah. and I was going to the fundamentals class. I think I was a purple belt. Yeah, I was a purple belt. Still one of the last higher level guys going to the fundamentals. Mm. And I don't know if you remember one of the black belts, Jeff Blossom. Uh, is that uh, the guy who passed away? He's the guy yeah, who passed yeah, away. Yeah. 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 And uh, so I was probably his most dedicated <laughs> student at that point and mm. he was going to his fundamentals classes. Yeah. And uh, once again, looking back, you know, I remember there was a moment, um, for those that don't know, Jeff uh, passed away of colon cancer. Mm. But I remember one day he was a big, strong guy. Oh, yeah, I remember. And I remember one day rolling with him, and I could and I could move him, Ooh. you know. And I was like, he felt like he's either having an off day, but his strength seemed to be gone. Yeah. And uh, I just I remember noticing that, you know. And mm. and then Trevor one day asked me if I could cover the class, because um, Jeff wasn't going to be in. Mm. That turned into two months. And then uh, yeah, sure enough, when Jeff was ready, he told everybody, <clears throat> and it was a beautiful thing. He came and um, taught one more class right before he died. Mm. Um, so it was a bit of a sad story of how I actually started teaching, mm. but I kept going from there and, and taught for, I think four years, mm. the fundamentals program at Trevor's. Yeah. And, uh, that would have been, uh, is that four years ago or is it cause he, he, it, he closed recently. It, it ended right, right at, yeah. well, basically COVID was yeah, when, yeah. It, when, it, when the first shutdowns happened, yeah. I think, uh, Trevor moved to all teaching online. He's doing really cool things, uh, yeah. doing online teaching now, but I think he's over the brick and mortar. Yeah. It's uh, tough. Why, you know, I went, I actually... Side note, I went virtual like a lot of people, mm -hmm. but my students are like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> it, it, it's tough. And even Trevor, he was teaching uh, Zoom classes yeah. and like, I'll be honest, I didn't do, I didn't do yeah. them either. I was, it's just, it wasn't. It's not martial arts yeah. if you're not kicking well, each I think, other. <laughs> I, think I, I think I was being a little sour too, right? Because mm. everybody was grumpy when all the gyms shut down, yeah. you know? And, oh, I uh, was annoyed. Oh. I mean, yeah, two <laughs> weeks to slow the curve, right? <laughs> Tell people, you know, after the initial thing is now's the time to speak up. And yeah. unfortunately, Canadians were just being like, no, no, we need to keep everything civil. And I'm like, so polite. Goddamn. Now it's happening. I was <laughs> like, you guys should have done, the, done this last year, you yeah. schmucks. Yeah. And they just think I'm an asshole for pointing <laughs> out the obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But a lot of it, I mean, I've like, I'll be honest, I can't really complain about COVID. It's yeah. I've. I got a new job. I built my gym. I met a new girl. Yeah, you know, like it's funny when people. A lot of the, um, I'm, there's definitely people who've been affected by this yes, big yes, time. For sure. But I, I think a lot of people, if they just turned off social media, yeah. would realize they weren't as affected as they 
Oh, like yeah, I, I, I can't go to bars. Like I don't really go to bars anymore anyway. You yeah, know? it was actually funny you say that. I was talking to Dayan Dayan Kaige. He was training with us yesterday, and he's like, "Anyone who came out of this thing better is a fucking psychopath." Like he's joking, <laughs> and I was like, "But I came out of it better." Yeah. It's like you know, I met my well, I was dating my then girlfriend, but we got married. Mm-hmm. We got this place, uh, pivoted some things, and it's like that's you know, as annoying as it is, you gotta pivot and. I didn't, up until uh, certain passports were introduced, I was living life pretty normally except yeah. for the Zoom classes. So, because I wasn't scared to go places or do mm-hmm. anything and just keep healthy, stay home if sick, you know, standard stuff that works. And uh, nothing, I actually enjoyed the no traffic and the, yeah. <laughs> the lack of training partners was a bit annoying. But, you know, spoiler alert, most of the gyms here, I would say 70% of the gyms in Metro Vancouver, there weren't being total tools. And I mean that uh, mm-hmm. we're open anyway. Totally. So <laughs> we yeah. got some training in here. Put some, put some paper on the windows and just keep yeah. going. Right. Yeah. So, Take a few complaints here or there. Yeah. Um, and, it made it, honestly, it was kind of fun. Yeah. Like, it, Underground fight club. Yeah. It was like a, <laughs> yeah, it was like a old school, um, speakeasies yeah. it's like a jiu-jitsu speakeasy right yeah it was a little tough at first and then my students after about four months started feeling a bit more comfortable training a bit and mm-hmm. then it was like dancing around the rules and then all the people complaining who chose to stay closed well you know like, well, you know it's funny even like so this <laughs> this new variant is like oh. unquestionably way more contagious i might have had it yeah <laughs> i might have been in quarantine for five <laughs> days up at work so that yeah. was fun. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, it for sure spreads way more than yeah. everything else. It was barely a head cold. Yeah. But uh, what I did find is, you know, when it was spreading more people, less people showed up to the classes because yeah. some people were worried about it. Yeah. Guess what? Personal autonomy. Mm. It started to spread. People did the right thing yeah. on their own. Stayed home. So they stayed home. Yeah. It doesn't need to have all these rules. People will do that. Yeah. If they're given left to their own devices, right? Yeah. If you're worried, you don't go. Yeah, no, that's what I was telling people. Stay home if you're sick. Mm-hmm. Up until Omicron, there was no issues. But Omicron and being the insanely contagious thing. <laughs> it's just like wild. everybody I know had got it, it within wild. a three-week period. I uh, <clears throat> So, yeah, like I said, I work up at a camp up north uh, yeah. called Kamano. And first of all, everybody has to be vaccinated to work there. Yeah. Not company policy, but we fly. Yeah. So to fly, you have to have it. Hopefully that will go away. Funny loophole. They're like, we're not making you do it, but yeah, you know, yeah. And, uh, by default. So first of all, we all have to be vaccinated. Mm. Second of all, we get tested at the airport before we leave. And then we get tested three days later. Yeah. So quite a lot of plus social distancing, all the rules that they do. Right. Then matter. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so this last run, I worked two weeks on two weeks off, Mm. get there working night shift at the end of the first night. I'm like, kind of feeling a little funny i mean yeah. i just tested negative yeah and uh it's just uh, just a little bit though you know i for me it was when i got out of the shower i had a chill yeah i was like hey that doesn't feel right so i had to tell my boss instantly test me again yeah test negative again yeah but how it works there is you then have to quarantine in your room for 48 hours yeah and then test again and what this means is they literally lock you in your room yeah. And uh, serve you three meals a day. Prison time. It, it's, <laughs> it was legit prison time, dude. It was wild. Yeah. I was doing prison workouts. I was eating steak with my hands. Yeah. Like, uh, it got to the point where at 6.30 in the morning, I could hear the guy who brings the food coming down the hallway, and I'd be waiting at the door. Give like, me the food. Like a feral animal, dude. <laughs> and then what they do is they knock, yeah. and they put the food on the ground, and they back away. So yeah. you open the door, you grab the food really quickly, and you fucking eat it really fast. Yeah. 
But uh, so anyway, 48 hours go by. I'm feeling fantastic. Yeah. Thinking, okay, time to go to work. And then you test positive. Test positive. <laughs> and he's like, hey, three more days in, uh, in yeah. quarantine. Holy. Yeah, right. Fun time. That was, uh... oh, and so the point about that is I think there was over 40 people quarantined. Yeah, just got it, everyone. Everybody got it. And yeah. everybody was vaccinated and everybody was testing. Mm. So, like. It's almost as if people like myself were like, I told you so. <laughs> maybe, maybe reading scientific literature instead of listening to the person who wrote it, which seems counterintuitive, yeah. will tell you a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> because guess what? The data won't lie if you know how to read it. That's yeah. the key thing. You have to know how to read it because yeah. the data will lie yeah. if they they twist it for stuff. So hopefully we can get back to normal soon. And then, you know, but it's interesting because a lot of people, as I said, are, are scared. And they I saw an influx of people who wanted to come and train. Actually, the camera is there now. I got to remember this. Mm-hmm. Face this way. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Uh, and there's clearly tension because everyone's unsure of what's going to happen and how's it going to do. And it's just like, well, if you understand violence, you don't want to be violent. Mm-hmm. Usually that's the case. Ironically, a lot of those same people are like, you're going to be more violent if you learn to be violent. It's like if someone, if that's the case for someone, there's usually something wrong with that. Well, it's false confidence, right? Like <clears throat> yeah. the, um, even those guys that jumped us down at the Alex yeah. Frazier, it's, it's not because they were confident people that they had to smash my buddy in the back of the head you know it's it's out of fear oh yeah right and then so the more confident you get just in yourself and um like i have no delusions on my ability to to fight Hmm. i'm sure you're pretty good i'm pretty good yeah but it's because (laughs) we also know the level at which you can go yeah you know when people at i work with a lot of rough and tumble Hmm. miners right yeah and uh They'll be like, oh, so you think you're pretty good? I'll be like, I'm all right. Yeah. You know? I don't need to prove myself to any of these people. Yeah. You know, like it's, I know the level at which I am yeah. and I'm proud of the level at which I am and, and what I've accomplished. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, but you see all these guys, you just hear, it's funny when you hear on people who don't train, yeah. discuss fighting. I or, can do this. Or you're in a bar watching UFC, yeah. uh, which I can't do for an undisclosed <laughs> amount of time right now. Uh, and the comments people make, it's like, you're in fucking moron man like you have no idea what's going on in that cage right now and just a little bit of fight iq can change and then you know for me uh i am a naturally aggressive person which the persona kept me safe to a degree Mm -hmm. because people are like uh is that guy gonna stab me Mm -hmm. i wasn't but um (laughs) but then i realized like i am not an athlete yeah and then you're training with athletes yeah and i can hold them off but it's like there's levels and then you realize i really don't want to have to fight some 300 pound athletic monster on the street if i don't have to no because that's a nightmare and you know as a smaller guy it's like that is where like that self-defense mentality is if i have to fight it's gonna go past the line that is comfortable for most people yeah. and i don't want to if yeah. they're a 300 pound monster yeah. it's not a game for me <clears throat> yeah you know I'm, I'm not looking to test myself against the stranger yeah. like if you're gonna if it's gonna happen it's not gonna be fun right yeah and I know people still are like the, the young, the athletic guys. I'm like, oh, yeah. It's, uh, and it's like, man, you're going to run into someone who mm-hmm. is better and faster, stronger <laughs> than you one day. And you will wake up. Uh, you know, every, everyone wants to be the GSP or the Khabib. And it's like, that's one in a billion. Okay. Most MMA guys, for example, don't even get into the big leagues. So you have to realize like the level of, yeah. of capability is a very different thing. Maybe 1% of people 
who train MMA get a contract. It's probably more than one percent because I guess it's two thousand. Maybe in the local yeah. local scene. Yeah, right? on the local scene, but on like say I don't know at any given time there's five thousand people globally, ten thousand people mm-hmm. maybe training professional MMA. Yeah, probably more. I'm just throwing numbers out. But you know, isn't how that many, what we do in society? Now, age, just yeah. throw numbers. But like UFC roster is like two hundred people at any given time. Yeah. So maybe let's say there's a couple thousand former and current UFC contracted fighters, and maybe another couple thousand former and current one championship fighters, and like that's it to make it into that kind of level of fighter. <laughs> yeah. And then you know you get the guy who's you know amateur, good amateur. You can beat up the average person, uh, and then you get like your gym rats, and it's like. You just don't know what you're gonna run into with somebody yeah. when you're training, and uh... even uh, even say like I've competed in jujitsu yeah. a dozen or so times, but to take an amateur MMA fight, yeah. it's like you don't play MMA. No, you know? like <laughs> getting and, punched in the face. Well, I've, and I've always I've always had a career the entire time I've been training. Yeah, I'm a recreational martial mm. artist here. I have another career that I do. Yeah. And you're dealing, if you go take an amateur fight, you could be dealing with a guy with nothing to lose. Yeah, who's broke? Yeah, he's probably on Anavar. And uh, really has something to prove to me, you know. Yeah. So it's like you got to know what you're getting yourself into. Well, it's funny, my uh, my black belt coach, uh, Mike Hansen, uh, is almost second dan now. He's been doing martial arts for years, and he wants to now. In his, uh, I think he's almost forty or early forties, wants to do his first amateur. Fight. Oh yeah. And they're just talking like you're gonna have trouble finding a, a compa- like a co- opponent because they're gonna be like, wait, he's been a black belt for how long? Yeah. And uh. uh he can fight other ways too, but I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, we're like, he just wants to do it for the sake of like, I did it. I'm mm. a coach. I did it once. I know. have huge respect yeah. for that too. Like, <clears throat> yeah. But, uh, yeah. so that's like, you can run, you could be a guy, your first fight and you're up against a guy like him. <laughs> exactly. Or you could right? be a guy who's like, I've been training like six months and I yeah. took a fight, you know, even you jujitsu, know. you go and do a comp, you go do a jujitsu comp and you yeah. run into a wrestler who's been wrestling for oh, 15 I've, years. I've run into that. Oh, yeah. I did purple belts. Uh, and this guy had been wrestling for like 15 years. Yeah. He was like a purple belt in jujitsu and he came up a weight class and just <laughs> fucking steamrolled everyone. I was proud of myself because I gave him the hardest time, mm-hmm. but his speed was too much. Eventually I had to tap cause I'm like, I cannot keep this pace. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Oh, I'm not, I hate it when people do that. They're like, Oh, I'm a white belt in jujitsu and, uh, I'm rolling with them. I'm like kind of training with them like oh i did wrestling or sambo or something i'm like god damn it like you're not a white belt grappler be honest <laughs> yeah i know like, <laughs> i don't know if you're being modest I did competition being... sambo for 10 years yeah i ran into a guy once that did that and white belt i'm like you're not a white i'll tell them i'm like listen yeah. you're not a white belt grappler so yeah. you need to be honest with people it's not nice if yeah. you go with a real white belt <laughs> and you destroy them it's horrifying and and a lot of people have a like they're like no but i'm a white belt it's like i understand you're being respectful you're mm-hmm. a white belt bjj practitioner but you're not a white belt grappler like bro khabib's a white belt you saw him wear the white belt <laughs> yeah you know? and that guy's a monster yeah it's actually interesting dan and her talking about khabib versus gsp mm-hmm. he's trained with both of them he's trying to be like soft i felt like he was leaning on uh gsp would win that fight yeah soft you know subtly but it's you know uh, that's the highest level I, i'm sure even like well i would get smashed by either of those yeah. guys I um yeah the Russians are really interesting yeah. you know like it's um it, do you know Islam Makachev yeah as a fighter not personally yeah, but, yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> you're not friends um his finish against Dan Hooker was fucking awesome yeah. I was so stoked about it because mm. uh, he used pretty much the exact Danaher Kimura system that I've been uh, working on working on the yeah. whole time and it's funny because 
they'll get all the credit to Sambo yeah. or to wrestling. Mm. But if you watch them, they're they're doing full grappling, jujitsu, everything. You know, like yeah. um, these Russians, I think they grew up like the Americans. They have a really amazing wrestling program. Um, it breeds athletes yeah. and really explosive Mentally guys. tough guys, yeah. But it's like with all the martial arts, you put too many rules onto things, mm. and it just it's going to stunt your growth yeah. at a certain point. Yeah. Well, also, it's like the sort of pattern recognition of martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, like, some of the Dagestani guys, the way they wrestle, a lot of it is actually, like, traditional step wrestling or mixed in with stuff that you just wouldn't see here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like the uh, when Danaher reintroduced like didn't create reintroduce lead locks into modern yeah. jiu-jitsu and but that stuff had been around forever and uh, you know they are actually talking about on that podcast it's like imagine what was in the alexander library of alexandria regarding pancreation mm-hmm. and what is there any techniques that we still haven't relearned uh, oh 100 percent. yeah probably and it's like if you're training with your guys that you always train with and you get used to the certain patterns that they know how to move uh, and then you go train at another gym and you're like, either you're dominating them or you're getting dominated mm-hmm. because you don't recognize the patterns. And so a lot of those guys, uh, other than the fact that they're a little psycho in Eastern <laughs> Europe, you know, um, the way they grow up is, is creates mentally tough people. Uh, they're doing patterns that the other people are not used to sometimes. Yeah. Now, of course, then if you do like the, the Kimura lock system that works it all translates yeah. and then once it you know it works it is a matter of the competitor themselves mm-hmm. who, who can keep the pace the longest but i find that often happens i think uh lachlan giles was talking about this like yeah. in his gym you know you know bronze medal adcc champ uh in the open class as a tiny guy and he's like my my guys can stop my game but when i go to other game uh, other gyms i'm like catching everyone because yeah. they just don't know how i move yeah. and that i find um from a self-defense perspective, that is the thing that people don't understand. It's like that untrained guy might do something you're completely not expecting. Yeah. And unless you're trained to deal with random crazy. They can be the most dangerous, yeah. right? They're not going to throw a straight jab that you can parry. They're like, doing some they random swing shit. from the hip yeah. out of nowhere, right? And you got to get used to it. And I find like uh, teaching self-defense, sometimes you get like a trained person who comes in, like did kick while they're like, well, why are you that stupid? Why are you showing that? I'm like, yeah. listen, you may be able to handle yourself just fine in a one-on-one match but they throw that haymaker that you're laughing at and oops there was a knife in their hand and yeah. you did a you know, cover and you just took a knife to the ear mm-hmm. as opposed to the you know, sort of outstretched block the reason you do that is range control range control for weapons mm-hmm. and then you're like oh shit there's a knife would i do that against a trained uh, kickboxer throwing a close hook no i'm gonna get smacked in the face probably yeah but understanding the nuance difference of how people attack differently, the mental space, the patterns. And the severity of the repercussions of yeah. being stabbed. You yeah. know, people, right. a lot, you hear this a lot, like, why, why am I going to train? I'm not going to get in a knife. I'm not getting in knife fights. Why should yeah. I train with a knife? Yeah. Um, in my opinion, if it, if it happens once, mm. you know, and you just get out of the way, yeah. it wasn't it worth it? Yeah. You know, like it's the severity of, uh, the repercussions is so high with knife fighting. Yeah, and it actually brings you back to these students. They're not students. Uh, this mother brought her two sons in because their neighborhood is getting more violent. It's mm-hmm. like uh, Maine and Maine somewhere downtown. Oh yeah, Vancouver's they, collapsing. There into had itself. yeah, there had <laughs> been several unprovoked attacks, mm-hmm. more than normal, and the kids are just like, I don't understand why someone would attack someone unprovoked. It's kind of where I'm coming from, and and then I'm doing my shtick because um, I'm like, guys, you need perspective. I can't, techniques are useless for you. Mm-hmm. They didn't like it. They got annoyed at me. Then they didn't come back. 
And but it's like I in the end I'm just like, why are you here to the mother? And mm-hmm. she's like, well, because there's more violent thing. I'm like, so literally they came because your neighborhood is getting more violent, and your two idiot sons, yes, they're idiots, are like, no one attacks people unprovoked. Like, yeah. <laughs> did you talk to your mother about why you're here? Yeah. You idiots. Yeah. And they thought I was a crazy person, but I'm like, man, you can like, you're gonna need something bad to happen for you to take your head out of your ass yeah. and realize. <laughs> and that goes that goes back to it's hard to be an instructor, man, because yeah. a lot of the right um, answers to there is spatial awareness, yeah. distance control, know know your surroundings. <laughs> you know, don't put yourself in bad yeah. situations. Yeah. Those aren't the answers people want to no. hear. Well, especially the climate. Luckily, the climate's dissipating, but it's like. The, the dark alley question mm-hmm. and it always comes down to like hey uh just so you're aware if you go down that dark alley regardless of how you're dressed someone might attack you yeah. well they shouldn't attack me but they did yeah because you made yourself a victim you're victim blaming no that's just how violence works mm-hmm. how dare you and it's like oh man the it's... last few years have been annoying as hell yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> It's just how violence works. Stop, yeah. stop getting and, into it. And you need to you need to go out in the world and see that to truly really understand it. You yeah. Know? I was uh, when I was living in Thailand, we had just left a uh, a hostel, mm. and two local Thai guys got into an argument, and one of the one of the tourists staying at the hostel tried to break it up and got stabbed and died. Yeah. You know, so it's once again like. <laughs> know where you are know what your surroundings are what culture? i talk about that a lot like what's the culture where you're mm-hmm. at and it's not like the wrong people be like that's racist i'm like no 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 mm-hmm. you need to know where you are because me uh, a good example i have is calling someone a son of a bitch mm-hmm. in english most of the time it's like hey dick shut up yeah but in some cultures if you call the son of a bitch they take it personally and they will try to stab you yeah and like in israel i saw it and they didn't stab the guy just uh i because I'm thinking in English, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Ben Zana, it's a mm-hmm. son of a bitch. And they're like, motherfucker, and like immediately. Yeah. And you're like, huh? Because <laughs> over there, and I saw other people knock someone out for that yeah. kind of behavior. Now, if it had been in the street, in a culture, like in Dagestan, yeah. you're getting stabbed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like you are getting stabbed. Yeah. So... Um, I think even Canelo was fighting Caleb Plant. Yeah. And I think he called him a son of a bitch. Yeah. And Canelo just cracked him yeah. in the middle of the press conference. Yeah. You know, to Westerners, we we just like that's just kind of a word you throw out. Yeah. You know? So were you in Thailand just to learn Muay Thai or to expand on your? Yeah, in the game um, I just... I knew a lot of friends who had just traveled around there mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, but yeah, my goal when I went there was to go train jujitsu. Um, they have a lot of good jujitsu programs and find a Muay Thai gym. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just went, on, went on went on a great did. adventure, man. Yeah. It, was, it was. You were were you in India for a while? Was I also lived in India for a yeah. few months. Yeah. Um, set up that gym there that was pretty cool yeah i saw that and i was like oh that's cool He's yeah it bringing was... the martial arts yeah yeah punjabi jiu-jitsu man yeah. i was nice. trying to set it up how was that experience uh, it's a different universe man yeah. it was unreal but those little farm boys are yeah. the strongest dudes oh, yeah. i have ever met in my life yeah a lot of big boys over there farm strength or old man strength yeah. the traditional if you use your body mm-hmm. uh, it will affect your longevity but you're just yeah constantly using your body you get super strong they love the wrestling man because uh yeah. well they have kabaddi do you know what kabaddi is no I haven't heard it's of kind that. of like it's like a it's a punjabi sport that's kind of like uh well, i'm gonna butcher trying to explain this but it's i think it's like capturing the flag we got two teams and then somebody runs into the middle to grab the flag and then everybody tries to stop essentially it's just like red rover tackling yeah. the crap out of each other 
And uh, it's huge here. You can make millions of dollars in Surrey as a professional kabaddi player. Um, yeah, super interesting, but it's very wrestling oriented. Wait, so in Surrey, you can make money doing it? Oh, yeah. It's a huge, huge sport. Never would have heard yeah, of it. Yeah, kabaddi. You check it. We'll check it out. Yeah. We'll get young Jamie to pull it up. <laughs> in my empty room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, so they took to the wrestling yeah. really well. I mean, there there was at points where all their parents were there, all the kids were there. The parents would like want to come in and wrestle with me. And, yeah. Um, well, you know, often the or origins of martial arts, it's hard to say because, you know, the, the modern ideology, oh, it came from Asia, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of evidence to suggest a lot of it came from the Greeks, actually. Yeah. Right. At, now, there were civilizations in India and China at that time, but there is not that much evidence of like comprehensive martial arts mm -hmm. until the Greeks showed up. And then it seemed now the question is. Is that simply because the records were lost or is it simply because they just didn't need it? And it's interesting to, yeah, to think because I mean, Pancration the, from the Greeks is mostly wrestling based. And then mm -hmm. obviously the Indians started developing stuff. I think I think at the end of the day, it's such a natural movement. I find if people, especially new people, white yeah. belts, just get out of their own way. Yeah they'll actually start doing techniques that they've never been taught. Clinching yeah. up and stuff. Clinching up or naturally going for underhooks. It's like, um, if you watch two bears in the wild yeah. wrestle, like they're going for underhooks. They're shucking them over to try yeah. and take the back. Like it's... They also do the nut punch too. Yeah. That one, one... <laughs> the splits and the nut punch. Yeah, I saw this video of this bear. He's playing with some water hose and it comes down and smokes him in the groin and the bear just like drops and it's just like, it works. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, and it, you know, you see in nature wrestling, they wrestle a lot. Underhooks, overhooks, even barambolos. You see with some some animals, they roll under like cats. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Roll oh, under. totally. Barambolos. <clears throat> Believe it or not, very natural yeah. technique, you know? Unnatural for us humans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still for, for can't cats, do them for properly. For cats, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I tend to not go in those directions. Yeah. In jiu-jitsu, I, I do try and avoid uh, techniques that... Um, you know, like deep half and stuff, stuff that exposes you too yeah, much. Yeah. As I'm getting older, I'm trying to, um, even with gi jiu-jitsu, I've noticed it's a beautiful art. Yeah. But as it gets better, it's getting more and more away from reality-based style fighting. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, and, and especially because I have a career and, as well, I can't, and I'm limited with the amount I can train. Yeah. Like, I can't dedicate all my time to learning reverse Della Worm guards <laughs> and shit, you know? Like, it's... Play around, but it's like... Yeah. I need I need to learn things that work with both gi and no gi yeah. because I just don't have the time. Yeah. If I was doing it full-time, sure, I can learn all these crazy... Um, and I think it's important to understand them to an extent to stop them yeah but it's like i can't i can't be doing this all yeah time. you know that's uh for me coming from the self-defense background it's like i was always trying to do a lot of this fancy stuff mm -hmm. and then i'm inclined to more than more traditional basic stuff that will work in mma and will work in the street in controlling their ability to strike me better like deep half is a terrible position on the street exactly like horrible you're just yeah. gonna get smoked in the face mm -hmm. and like all that will have all the guys at my gym do deep half. They're pretty good at it, but yeah. it's just like, I'm going to be like smashing you yeah, in the, in it's the tough, face. Right? Or I adopted, I started teaching uh, like high knee shield Zed guard in mm -hmm. Kramaka as a self-defense position. Totally. Because uh, it keeps them at bay. You can control them and you're halfway up if you need to be, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, and it was an MMA fighter who who talked to me about that from a self-defense. Kramaka is not the best on the ground. So when, when it's like coming from, 
self-defense attitude, but no one who's taught you the self-defense really understands grappling. Mm-hmm. I have to go learn from grapplers and then figure out yeah. how does it actually work from a practical self-defense. And a lot of that stuff, the fancy stuff, is just like it would get you smoked in the street or mm-hmm. weapon weapon retention. 100%. Yeah. Like I actually had my advanced students. <clears throat> we were working on uh, police arrests at the high level. And then... They're, you know, they're not the best grapplers yet, but I was like, okay, now we're putting on the duty belt with the gun. And I said, you're going to go through the drill, but at this point, the person's going to resist heavy. Yeah. Now you got to control them and keep that pistol away. That and changes everything. Very right? difficult. They struggled, struggled with it. One of the students, and it would work unless the policy says just got it when the gun came out. Inevitably, he just dropped the magazine, racked it and threw the gun and then mm-hmm. started resting, which works if there's nobody there. But if, if there's not, you can't do that. And so it's like people don't realize like, oh, this is different. And then the duty belt is bulky and then it gets in the way. And if you're not comfortable rolling, shifting your hips and sitting on it, uh, getting them to the arrest, not letting them get the gun. And it's like, oh, this is hard. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a different different art almost sometimes. It changes your complete perspective on what your focus needs to be, right? Yeah, two more cops need to train that. No. I was actually using the Kimura. It's actually a very good if when you're absolutely in the cross body position, you get get the Kimura grip. So you're in side control, cross body, yeah. cross Kimura, and you can reorient them really quickly back into a, an arrest position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or Americano, if you just want to smoke, like, yeah. snap their, snap their um, shoulders. Oh, Danaher's <clears throat> whole philosophy behind the Kimura is instead of, you know, traditionally we were taught at roughly around 90 degree angle, yeah, yeah. his whole concept is getting it all the way yeah. behind the back. Yeah. And once it gets behind the back, even a much stronger person, you've lost all your control there. Yeah, yeah. And from an arrest, I, you, you use that and then you sit on their head and mm-hmm. get into a sort of a, you're sitting on them and then you roll them using the Kimura back onto their stomach mm-hmm. and then you can uh, apply the arrest as needed. It's hard though if you don't know what you're doing. It takes a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been doing it for, well, focusing solely on that for about six months. And yeah. even when I teach at Advantage, I just tell everybody like, I'm only going to be teaching Kimura stuff. Yeah, this like, is all I know. This is all I'm going to do for now because I think it takes that much time to yeah. get people absorbed. And it's like, sorry if you're getting bored, but yeah. this is what we're going to be doing, right? And you know, it's interesting because I actually did try to teach jujitsu when I was a provable. And I'll fully admit, I wasn't the best back then. And it's like, I don't think you can. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I was trying mm-hmm. to teach stuff I didn't know how to teach. Yeah. And I hadn't found my game yet. Yeah. And then now it's like I basically do the same stuff. I'm like going to yeah. pull butterfly or I'm going to do something. Which is another you know. great uh, yeah. guard, right? Butterflies, and Nogi, Yangi oriented yeah. guard. That's one of my favorite. Yeah. You see a lot of MMA fighters do it as well. And you use setups if you want to go for a mm-hmm. leg lock. Though I'm still terrible at the leg locks. Yeah. I need to get good at them. And I just got my brown belt and they're all going for my legs. Yeah. <laughs> and I have these huge feet, which are giant levers. Yeah. And then everyone yeah. goes for toe holds on me. One guy dove on it, and before I could even tap the cartilage, one, I was like, ah. <laughs> what a game. Right? What a game. So now they know. I'm like, I got to get better at that stuff <laughs> real fast, at least to defend against it. Like, I, I can kind of, but uh, people, you know, the traditional guys who don't know how to do leg locks don't realize that a lot of those traditional positions expose your legs. Yeah. And unless you know how to deal with it, you're like, you're going to get something ripped yeah. and torn. And you can feel if they heel hook, that knee is like... I do find what I've found because uh, I spent a while our gym went heavy on the leg locks yeah. and I really got into it. I went to a few seminars with Matt and mm-hmm. Rob Bernacki and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think Danaher said this as well. It's it's a lot easier to learn to be able to negate leg locking games yeah. than it is to exchange in leg yeah. locking games. So even though I can leg lock, I'm kind of opt for now. I don't even 
Yeah. I, I, you just you, if you swim your legs in and don't let them control the knee line or the hip line. Yeah. You can kind of prevent a lot of it. The second you start going for your own is when you get countered and your knee gets ripped yeah. off, right? I started using them uh, if I'm like, because my, like, say my black belt coach knows my game mm -hmm. and I just can't get him to move, but I've started threatening the leg attacks to get him to move again. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's opening stuff up. That's been huge for me yeah. as well. <clears throat> just threatening and then in moving, getting yeah. back to where you want yeah. to be. But it's, it's back to like <laughs> teaching new people and the mm -hmm. fundamentals and. Everybody wants to learn cool submissions and stuff. Yeah. I think my first learn the basics, motherfuckers. Yeah, my first fundamentals <laughs> class, I was learning like omoplatas and also, you know. But yeah, when I teach a brand new person, like my goal is to, um, I want to show you something that will change your game from that day on. A, yeah. con a small concept. Um, one of the ones I tend to do a lot is just wrestling pummeling, pummeling mm. to get underhooks. Yeah, um, changes everything. Most people don't even know that that's what they need to do. Yeah, like. But if you can, if somebody goes to grab you, you swim to underhooks, yeah. you're relatively safe from there. That's a good position, yeah. you know, and that one concept. It's been around forever. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is I always, because uh, I like to give context, is Greco-Roman wrestling versus like freestyle. And you ask people, why is why was Greco-Roman wrestling so upper body focused? Almost no legs. Mm -hmm. Do you know the reason? No. Think about it. The Greeks had a huge shield yeah. and a spear. Mm. They're fighting to the death on a field. You're not going to the ground. You don't want to go to the ground. But I can take that shield and underhook yeah. or smack. I can take the spear in that motion if they catch that spear, and mm -hmm. then I can come under an underhook. So the whole going yeah. for the legs thing doesn't – it's just not strategically intelligent when you're on a field of battle that's muddy. Mm-hmm. Even on the streets in guys. Vancouver, it's yeah. not that great of an idea, right? Yeah, I mean, you can like if if you're up against some schmuck and it's not it's not like a life or death battle, and you, you're not standing there with swords and shields and other guys because what you know, uh, have you ever watched those videos of the the samurai recreational where they put on the armor and they actually go at it? Oh God, yeah, yeah. But and you watch how these guys fight, and it's like, oh yeah, that's how the samurai actually fight because mm -hmm. everyone has an idea in Hollywood that they would sword fight. Yeah, the samurai didn't sword fight. No. They'd maybe one exchange and then it would you're in the medium and then they drop it and pull the next one and then mm -hmm. they go and then grapple judo and then jujitsu and then you're dead. Yeah. And that's it. And everyone's got this idea that it's it comes from like the European elitist sword fighters who <laughs> yeah. are the rich guys who yeah. are just trying to show off. It's like that's not how they fought. That's not death. what sword fighting is. Yeah. I can't watch in movies. Yeah. Two things I can't watch. Horribly choreographed fighting <laughs> and sword fighting. Right. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what was good? Uh, the last duel. It got panned by the you know box office, but as far as combat went, it mm -hmm. was like actually really good. As far as they're just like biting each other and punching yeah. each other, and it's it's awkward, and they're falling on each other. Uh, it's uh, Matt Damon and uh, Kylo Ren guy. Um, oh right, it's yeah, a that, French that, a that famous that weird looking dude. Yeah, famous yeah. French. It's a, based on a true story of a French. Uh, this guy raped another guy's wife in the 1300s, and it became this huge like folktale thing. Uh -huh. It like actually happened, and then it, it was very. I thought it was a very well done movie, but the combat was like sloppy, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> like that's how it is. Yeah. And uh, people get so used to the fancy shit. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, what drives me nuts is the on like Instagram or social media. You see this account; it's got like 200,000 mm -hmm. followers, and they're just doing choreographed stuff, and the public is like, that's amazing. I know. Right? And here I'm showing like a, a drop serenagi if someone gets behind you and you're fast enough, and everyone's like, that that would never work. I'm like. <laughs> Go look at high-level competitive ju uh, judo. Yes, it will. I know. It's so crazy, right? Like, <laughs> so nuts, man. Uh, um, perspective.
It's and so have you got to train with Toby at all? Any of the weapon stuff? Uh, not recently. I, a few years ago, I did. He, he has a. There's an energy about it, like yeah. that to me feels like real sword fighting, and it's no exchanges. It's like redirecting and then killing you yeah. up. The, like it's probably going to be one shot usually, yeah. right? Like. I'd say I'll come out and train with you guys, but I know myself, it's like I could barely manage to get up and have breakfast. I, know. <laughs> I get it. But, uh, you will have to come out one time. Oh, man. for sure. For sure. I got a pretty good open mat going on. What um, day is normally? Uh, Friday evening. I got like the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on up, guys. Yeah, um, we'll see. Fred, see. Married life has made things, uh, yeah. you know, is what it is. I'm not for complaining, sure. but it's just uh, yeah. I don't train as much as I yeah. want. Especially, <laughs> uh, yeah, same with the, the way my career is, too. Like, two weeks on two weeks off right yeah, so yeah. i only get two weeks when i'm back home and then those days those fly by man yeah. they fly by real fast i mean it's still good like you're still able to consist because it'd be very easy i'm sure you're making really good money if you're up north like mm -hmm. the it's very easy to be like okay i'm just gonna sit here and do nothing when i come back yeah but you have the you know the ability to train and teach it's really cool mm -hmm. and the the job gave me a bit of the freedom to build my gym and yeah. frankly spend a bit too much money and oh i spent too much money yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like, stop spending money yeah are you gonna make money on but it's it? but it's yes good, you know <laughs> and yeah that's the thing with with my gym too like i don't charge anybody yeah. um if i do privates i will charge for privates yeah. just to kind of yeah. you know it is what it is you can't be giving out free privates all the time but no no it's i well for me krav maga i've said it many times it's not good for business but as a small five six guy teaching privates for krav maga is not fun yeah i don't like doing it. yeah jujitsu if someone wants to do jujitsu no problem it's so fun but some of the self-defense stuff it's what people don't understand it's like you're doing a private with just you being the attack for an hour straight yeah versus in class they're not going an hour straight we're mm -hmm. doing drills we're doing back and forth everyone gets turns it's like you know i had this giant motherfucker new zealand guy once like two almost 300 pound guy like big like didn't even email just paid for some privates i was like ah oh, okay yeah comes in and i'm like huh <sighs> <sighs> Okay, and I, you know, he he did his lessons and then come back, but it's like, dude, just practically, I cannot even attack you in a meaningful way for you to believe that you're feeling something. It's <laughs> yeah. just not possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I started screening people now because I'm like, okay, are you too big for me? I don't, I, yeah. I don't want to do. It. If you want to do jujitsu, no problem. Yeah, but even totally. then, it's like you know, I'm mount on those guys. It's like, <laughs> can't even get your legs around them. I remember. I don't know if you remember uh, Big Herb. Maybe trained at Trevor, just a yeah. just a big big boy. Yeah. Uh, he came out. He was one of the first guys when I built my gym to yeah. come and train with me. Yeah, but I remember we're, we're rolling and he's he's got he's full mounted on me. I yeah. can't get out. I'm being smothered. Yeah, and I just had this thought of like I could be murdered in my own gym right now. Could kill you. <laughs> he could probably yeah. have just killed me at that moment. Well, there's you know? a big guy I train at uh, Purple Belt now, and he's uh, he's about six four, like. 240 big yeah. scottish guy <laughs> and it's like luckily he's not he's not the most athletic so i can keep him at bay a yeah. little bit but i remember when he was a white belt and i could still do stuff to him and now it's like <sighs> like oh my god <laughs> yeah don't let him get on top and that's the thing you gotta like when when you're rolling with bigger guys and different body types yeah. like you have to change your game based on the type of person you're rolling with you yeah. can't do your same game to everybody mm. um Otherwise, you end up, you know, some guys you just may, don't want to pull butterfly on. They're a bit too big for that yeah. position, right? Yeah. Now, are, are you teaching weapon stuff in your gym? Or no, I have, I have Toby come, and Toby yeah. runs those classes. Yeah. I should I got to come and Yeah, play. yeah, we'll do. Sometimes on Sundays, we'll yeah. have him come out. Uh, Sundays don't work. I'm teaching uh, all day Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> this that's, is how it's going to go. That's, yeah, how it yeah. <laughs> just, oh, that's the one day that yeah. I'm, I'm teaching yeah. that day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fairly open. Also, uh, do you remember JT? 
the brown guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. He's expressed some interest. He might be just starting to teach a jiu-jitsu class once a week out of yeah. my gym, too, which is unreal, but yeah. that's to be determined. Yeah, he was purple when I started, and yeah. still big. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was a purple belt who smashed every black belt in the lower mainland, pretty much. Yeah. And eventually, uh, eventually it, it was funny, the whole community pretty much came together. Yeah. Well, like the PTT uh, Richmond, all the black belts came out and they yeah. surprised him and gave him his black belt because nice. it was like, we can't be having you crush everybody <laughs> anymore. <Yeah. laughs> like, so that actually brings up an interesting thing about like ranking the jujitsu has been pretty good about maintaining standards. But what are standing. your thoughts? Because like I know some people will be like, I want you to develop your game, but they're smashing everyone and mm -hmm. they keep them at a lower level or then some people smashing people and they get promoted really quick. So what, what do you think for jujitsu at least how, how to promote? Um, it's a, man, it's complicated, yeah. right? I, I tend to believe personally, um, it's, it's a personal journey for a lot of people. You mm -hmm. know, for instance, we have, uh, an older couple that has trained with us for a long time. Yeah. I and, think I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And you know, she's not going to be able to smash everybody. Yeah ever right mm. she's getting older but the dedication she's shown the yeah. like she's always watching instructionals and questions and it's like does that woman not deserve her black belt because yeah. she can't tap people out it's yeah. it's very subjective mm. um i do think it needs to it, it's tough right because you also don't have to be good at everything to be really good at jujitsu yeah you know like i don't do baron bolos yeah should I, not I think be... it's impossible to be good at everything. Exactly. Well, in fact, a few guys, in fact but... you kind of only need to be good at three or four things, yeah. and you can be really good at jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah. So I think, uh, I mean, how, how the old the old school way was just don't promote them forever, and yeah. then by the time you do, they're ready. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I tell you're crushing everyone at your <clears throat> rank. You don't get promoted. But, like, honestly, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting to get my black belt. I thought I was going to, especially because COVID happened. Yeah. I was thinking, like, a couple more years before I got my black belt. Yeah. Um, but I think there's there's steps. I think you need to you need to start teaching. You know, like that has to be yeah. one of the processes. I think you got to face adversity, get injured, recover. Mm. It's such a long process that you're gonna you must get injured. <laughs> well, you're going you're going to. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know? know it's interesting. Like I got my brown belt. Uh, my coach was like, eh, but then his coach was like, why isn't he a brown belt yet? Mm -hmm. And then he's like, okay, fine. And it's like, uh, and it's like this. The mental space is like, because there's some fucking good guys oh, yeah. at Budo Burnaby and it's like I'm not offensively as good as I wish I was mm -hmm. because I can't put in the time well can't is a strong word but it's uh, life um, what's that old thing like the belt a belt isn't a reward it's the yeah. beginning of the next challenge yeah right yeah. and uh, <clears throat> certain cultures in certain gyms it just it breeds people who are desperate for the belt yeah and I've never been like that I've never really I so was when I was younger but now I'm like eh I yeah. want to be. I want to represent reasonably the rank. Yeah, that yeah. I, think I, is reasonable. I would rather not get promoted longer, please, <laughs> yeah. so that when I the time comes, I feel like and I can hold my own. You know? Well, what happened to me actually is I got tore my ACL at blue belt, and I really couldn't train. See, properly. that's one of the first yeah. steps towards black yeah. already. <laughs> so I couldn't train properly, and I didn't develop my game. And then I got my purple belt because I was a martial arts gym owner, and they're like, "Yeah, you're good enough." Mm -hmm. And then, but skill wise, I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I was. And then I work really hard to finally feel like a purple belt. And I'm mm -hmm. like, on one side, I would like to get promoted. On the other side, I understand if they're holding me back, it's fine. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, crap. Okay, he did finally give it to me. And I'm like, now I got to get better again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And then, uh, you know, train more. But 
we'll see if that happens and then yeah. work on the leg stuff now because now they're all going for my leg yeah like, well <clears> you know <throat> when when the endeavor that you're going down is takes over a decade yeah to do and yeah. realistically never ends it's oh, like yeah. there's so many things that are going to happen along the road yeah and i think when somebody kind of deserves that little bit of respect of black belt is when they've persevered through all those things yeah. you didn't quit you didn't quit you know you had <laughs> you, you had career changes you had family changes you yeah. got married you know there's so many things that yeah, you not, have to survive through not everyone can be j pennant and get it in like what three years three and a half years or no, something? no. <laughs> that's ridiculous not everybody's a rich hawaiian that yeah. can just train, do it full train, time train, yeah train, train, train. that'd yeah. be nice so I there, mean... there's a lot of respect for i have a lot of respect for the people who've had to have careers and and uh kids and do all yeah. these things while trying to also show up to jujitsu and get smashed by that guy who's just doing it three times a day and doesn't yeah. give a fuck right i think like that is the hard thing for people to realize and i tell my students like dude if you come for one class a week and mm -hmm. don't stop yeah you will progress yeah but if you disappear on me for like six months to a year every time which i do have students like that it's like i you're gonna lose it every time yeah and you're not gonna progress so yeah you just as long as you kind of just keep keep on trucking you'll you'll get there eventually mm -hmm. and it's like um you know on average reason it's like in all seriousness it's probably eight to 15 years to black belt in any martial arts that's taking it seriously yeah. just from a practical that's how long it takes for you as an individual to develop a reasonable skill set mm -hmm. and uh you know i think jiu-jitsu's done a pretty good job i know the gracies had a stranglehold on ranking for a while they've they've since lost it thankfully mm -hmm. because they're like ah you can't have it you can't have it like they keep changing the rules you need to be a third dan now to <laughs> yeah. to give out a black belt otherwise i just won't recognize it and it's like oh my god you guys but um it's interesting like i was talking i did a podcast the other day with one of the highest ranked female practitioners in israel for krav maga oh, okay and we were just discussing that ranking in krav maga is a joke and uh you know for me i take it seriously as my students <clears throat> like i've been open since 2013 yeah. i just gave out my first blue belt so i do the judo belt rank so okay, that's yeah. two away from black and they, they've been training five years straight and they already have their judo black belt it goes sorry it goes blue purple uh, white uh yellow orange green blue brown black oh okay right <clears throat> my curriculum is what i teach it's my own thing but yep. as far as the expectations it's like because uh, judo was the first system to introduce belts uh one of the early founders of kramaga introduced belts using the same judo system obviously different skill sets yeah <clears throat> so i have been open since 2013 12 technically first blue belt like 10 years later yeah right <laughs> was wild dude. and you get these people sometimes it's it's easy to not have this in jiu-jitsu and krav you get like some i have my orange belt from this organization mm -hmm. i'm like how long did you train they're like i did a six-week course over yeah. the summer i'm like i'm just letting you know you're starting as a beginner and i'm not recognizing your rank if you actually have some skill you might get there quicker and yeah. they're just like fuck you they never say that but they're <laughs> like i earned this i'm yeah. like you just don't know what it should be expected of you yeah of skill wise at a certain level and i was that woman yellow i was talking to is uh She's like, yeah, it's not just North America. It's like in France, they're giving up black belts in two years for Krav Maga. And she's like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. It's like, <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of the McDojo mentality, right? Yeah. And it's getting promoted by attendance or whatever type of thing. It's, yeah. it's not an easy topic. Like it's hard to, because I know some gyms have a much more curriculum style mm. um, process in order to get yeah. new belts. For jujitsu. Right? Yeah. For, for jujitsu, yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah.
And uh, it's probably a good thing, to be honest. Like, I don't think the way my gym did it was the best way to do Here it. Here you go, yeah. You know, like, I just think they just didn't promote people for so long that, all yeah. right, you know. Like, like I always debate, like, because for me, for McCrumley, I do have structure. Yeah. I'm expecting you to learn certain things. Yeah. You have the tests. You go through the process. I but think I, people respond well to that, too. They, some people do. Some people hate it. Yeah. But, uh, and, I, and I tell them, like, I just, and I'm very clear, like, the belt is just a milestone. It's not a skill recognition. Mm -hmm. Like, don't let it get to your head. Because otherwise, you're not going to get soccer moms as instead of working your way up. You need to make it achievable for for everybody. Yeah. Um, but say jujitsu, like I know there's this whole debate of like, don't charge for tests and having actual tests is stupid. And I'm like, yeah, but there's jujitsu is different in that if you're rolling with everyone all the time, you actually get a good sense of where they're at. But that doesn't mean you can't have like, I would like to see you show me that you understand guard and mm -hmm. you understand how to pass and you under, you don't have to be good at it. Yeah. But at least understand it. Yes. Before I'll pass you that. And if you're only ever doing the one thing there's a, and you're never developing, it's like, well, you need to be held back a little bit. So there's some merit, even if it's just a loose structure yeah. in jujitsu. You, you, you can kind of <clears throat> tell. You know, yeah. there's a like there's a, an unwritten thing a little bit. Like you can sort of feel it when it when it gets to the next stage. You yeah. Know? Even somebody's personal confidence or, you know, there's like the purple belt mentality a little bit. When I was a purple belt, um, I was using a lot of explosiveness and athleticism mm -hmm. yeah. to counter the fact that I wasn't actually that good at doing passes. Yeah. So I was cartwheel passing everybody. Going flying. Flying all the time, right? And yeah. it would kind of work. Yeah. And uh, just recently I rolled with a guy who just got his brown belt. Great dude. Um but I kind of felt that same energy. He was yeah. trying to, he was just flying yeah. past my guard all I the time. I physically right? can't do that. Yeah. So I always have to like, I like, that's why I like gi better yeah. because I get the grips. But, yeah. you know, I'll, I will do no gi with some phenomenal guys just mm -hmm. because you got to practice it. But I find like that's for younger athletic guys that are like naturally gifted. Yeah. They don't, you tell them or the big guys like, hey, yeah. like you need to learn technique. And they're just like, you you're just upset because I tapped you. I'm like, listen, man, you're like 20 years old. You're yeah. a freak athlete, which I never was. Yeah. I have no problem tapping. Mm -hmm. I want to walk tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah. But they, you try to tell them like, I, there's this kid who came in from another gym in our open mats on Sunday evenings. And he is a freak. <laughs> and someone said, you know, that kid's 16. I was like, what the fuck? I, I don't know what rank he is, but you know, he got on my back. He couldn't finish me. And I said to him something like, uh, which I'm proud, like, I don't want to get tapped that easily. But yeah. it's like, hey, you know, you could have finished if you'd just done this. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's how I said it, but it's like, I feel like he responded negatively because, like, dude, I had your back. Yeah. It's like, man, you're like six foot something. You are clearly gifted. Mm hmm If you tweak your technique and get good at it, you will smash people. Because yeah. I watched him give bigger guys a hard time mm -hmm. than me. And I'm like, holy shit, like this guy can be something if he trains, but they don't want to hear, you need to clean it up. I think one of the things, the, the counteract, like being a big guy like that, it's hard to, it's hard to have that humbleness too, right? Because yeah. you might even think you're doing the technique right. Yeah. But because of your size and strength and advantages, that's not really the right way to do it. Yeah. Or even be, little guys. Close. Even little guys. We have some little guys that are just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But they're just doing the same thing on everyone all the time. Yeah, and exactly. Like, hey, you know, if you want to fight professionally, you need to you need to add on to your game. And you have to open up. Stuff. Yeah, they don't want to hear it because they're oh. just like, ah, I'm I got on your back, I tapped you. I just like good for you. Yeah, yeah. You need, you're not tapping me every round. So yeah. until you get there, maybe you should yeah. learn it there too. And uh, <clears throat> Danaher had this great story about. He goes, "Do you know how many people 
leave my gym back when he was in New York yeah. and uh, go back to their home gym and go, I tapped out Gary Tonin. Can you, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I fucking awesome. I, I, can you believe I tapped out Gary Tonin? Yeah. And uh, not realizing that that's the difference between training and competing. Right? Yeah. Gary had no problems letting people tap him out. He would give them bad positions. His yeah. whole thing was give everybody the worst position possible and see that. what he's doing from there. <clears throat> yeah. right? And uh, that's such a good mentality that people... If they've never been told that, they might not realize it, right? Yeah. If you don't experiment, you're not going to get better. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I started, just even in Krav, I started, because so Krav, my guys always go forward and fight because it's to do with that sudden situation. You want to yeah. overwhelm them. Well, that doesn't translate well into sparring if you're, if you're actually sparring back and forth and you're mm-hmm. not trying to kill each other. So I started opening up. One, because my skill is better. I started opening up and in, the, in my novice class, when we, we approach kickboxing and boxing, well, okay, let's work on cutting angles now and let's moving the head, which is not Kramaga. Yeah. But it'll make them a better overall fighter because yeah. I just keep watching them run right into people's punches <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. So it's like, like, how do I integrate it in, in a way that they develop the proper skill set? Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was sparring one of my students, ended up breaking my finger again, but whatever. Uh, he, I'm, Don't do hard, bro. He, he's got a wicked jab. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And I switched to southpaw and I was cutting on the outside. Well, I don't teach that in class ever. And yeah. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm like, well, you have a wicked jab. I'm playing yeah. strategic. And yeah. I just kept going on the outside. Because if I, with my T-Rex arms, rock, run into someone with a wicked jab, it's I'm tough. not getting anywhere near them. Yeah. So he didn't like that. It's like, well, I'm going to show you what I was doing then. I was go- switching stance, which you don't usually do in Krav because mm-hmm. that's not what we're for. But I found if you just develop people well-rounded, hey, here's some boxing, here's some kickboxing, here's some judo, here's some wrestling. Mm-hmm. it actually translates to better overall self-defense. And then in your actual self-defense, you apply your proper strategy and all of a sudden you can deal with, oh shit, this wasn't self-defense. It went into a fight. Now, if you have to fight properly, you can fight properly. Yeah. Um, I think a huge key too that people don't take into account and can lead you into a lot of trouble is each martial arts obviously has its own different stance. Yeah. You know, people stand differently as a boxer, a Muay Thai fighter, even a kickboxer. Um, a knife fighter, a wrestler, yeah. a judo guy. And if you can't flow between those different stances, mm-hmm. you're going to end up in a real bad position real fast, right? Yeah. You need to know when to have straight posture, when to be crouching down. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're kickboxing and you're in a boxing stance, you're going to get kicked in the face real fast. Yeah. There, there's a reason in Muay Thai they don't move their head as much, right? Because yeah. the risk of, the risk to reward ratio of bobbing your head is so high to yeah. getting really hurt, right? Well, you know, the example I like to give actually in Muay Thai is uh, the left way, the Cambodian Yes. Style. And I'm like, you know, they don't, they, they don't clinch that much. And they're like, why not? I'm like, because they allow headbutts. Mm-hmm. All, of a sudden it, all of a sudden I can just jump into you when yep. you, you have me in your clinch and smoke you in the face and all of a sudden they don't clinch as much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the thing about sports like jiu-jitsu, you know, like there was a big cult yeah. following it. To this day, it is amazing how many people still think all the Bruce Lee movie stuff is yeah. real. Yeah, still. I still, to this day, I'm like, yeah. you seriously look at that and yeah. think that that's real shit. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I'm not going to name the names because this person is a very well-recognized martial arts, and they themselves are very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeet Kune Do, uh, and uh, they were teaching a technique for ground stuff. Mm-hmm. And their assistant uh, was also a purple belt in jiu-jitsu at the time, and uh, about my size. And he's showing this technique that they're saying, here's how you get out of someone's like kind of on your back with mm-hmm. the hooks in or whatever. And it's working. It's working for everyone. And uh, I was doing it with my wife at the time, girlfriend at the time, now wife. And she's like, I just can't get it to work. And I'm like, because I'm putting resistance. Yeah. This technique doesn't <laughs> fucking work. Yeah. And 
the the guy who's well known. He's he's a phenomenal instructor. He knows how to get the crowd. And I mm-hmm. I know what he's doing. Is yeah. he got his assistant to do the attack on me, and I would do the technique, and I'm getting out every time. Mm-hmm. Well, I I can f- I'm not an idiot. I can feel that the assistant is letting the pressure up. Every mm-hmm. time. And I don't know if he realizes he's doing that or it's just been ingrained in him. And then the head guy is like, you see? And he's like hyping up the situation. And I'm like, to my wife, I'm like, this technique's bullshit. Don't do it. <clears throat> and it's like how much of people buy their own bullshit. Mm-hmm. And, and I could, I, I knew that what was going on. I, I mean, in a, in a legitimate fight, that the guy's legit. Mm-hmm. But it's just like people get into their own headspace. So, yeah. This is an amazing technique. And it's like, mm-hmm. listen, I'm a purple belt too in jiu-jitsu. I, this is not going to fucking work. Yeah. And that even had in Krav Maga, there were certain techniques I was teaching for a while on the ground. <clears throat> and because that's what I was taught in Krav Maga. And one of my students said, John, I cannot do these in jiu-jitsu. And I'm like, this time we take a look at them. I'm like, yeah, yeah you're right. They don't really work. Mm-hmm. So I took them out of the curriculum. And then I, I used a lot of the jiu-jitsu escapes because guess what? They work. Yes. Right. And then it, all of a sudden it's like, okay, that's what I'm teaching my students now. Because what I had been taught was being taught by people who don't understand grappling. Yeah, and if you're not sparring yeah. and you're not rolling, yeah. you don't know that feeling, right? Yeah. And then, of course, if one striking comes in, it changes, as we discussed. Like, yeah. you're not doing a Baron Bolo if they're just going to punch you in the head. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I, I drank the Kool-Aid when I, when I started feeling yeah. jiu-jitsu, when I actually started rolling, I was like, this... You know, I was a three-stripe white belt, yeah. and I was convincing myself I could kick everybody's ass. Oh, you know? me and, too. And realistically, <laughs> I probably could have grappled a lot of people. Yeah. Um, then at a blue belt, you think you're so good, yeah. you know, and then you get to purple and you're like, Ooh, I'm not that good. Yeah, you, <laughs> like, you start to shit. see the levels to it. Well, I had that happen when I was still training, uh, with you guys. Uh, I'm like, I know how to grapple. And I have a friend who's just not a big guy, but just natural athlete, mm-hmm. like, just strong, little wiry guy. And, uh, we were at work and it's like concrete floor, whatever. Yeah. And then I couldn't get anything to work on him. I just yeah. ended up stalling when I, he's in my guard and he didn't know what to do and I couldn't get him to move. And mm-hmm. just by his natural athleticism, I'm like, huh, I'm not that good. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's true. I mean, I've gone to, uh, I've trained all over the, all over the world just by a lot of traveling. Yeah. And sometimes the first day I'm at a, at a gym, um, guys will give me trouble. Like, Lower level guys will give me yeah. trouble, and it sometimes it takes a couple times rolling with somebody to, <laughs> to get their uh, rhythm, to yeah. figure them out, and start to, and that's kind of when you see the levels rise again. In a five minute match, anything can happen. A yeah. guy can just get a a good body lock on you, and you're like, well, I'm fucked for this round, like yeah. you know. But or if you know, like they do a certain entry to a submission, mm-hmm. they catch you once, and they're a lower belt. It's like that was really nice. You're not doing that again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they try it again and again, and they can't get it because like I know what you're doing now. Or like, um, you know, if a really if a high level wrestler comes into the gym mm. i was finding there's uh, one guy specifically i'm thinking about great dude but he if i try to match him strengthening yeah. and scrambling mm. he was beating me and getting me into these good positions yeah and i'm like man this guy is crushing me right yeah. it wasn't till i just stopped fighting him mm. and let him do jujitsu that i was able to beat Catch him. him yeah because then once he has to actually start doing a pass you see the flaws in his game yeah. it's like uh, gordon rose saying that you need to learn to actually do jiu-jitsu exactly like, what does right? that even mean yeah don't wrestle a wrestler don't box a boxer exactly right. although i will say my re- uh, improving my wrestling a little bit just by made not always pulling difference. guard uh, made a huge difference because yeah. you could just always pull guard yeah and then i'm like no nah, i'm gonna stand up with people mm-hmm. now and, and really work and just to get the rhythm and yeah because most fights will start there. And from a self, I was, I was thinking from a self-defense perspective, it's like, I'm not going to pull guard. I need to stop just doing that. Yeah. 
because otherwise yeah. that becomes my instinct. So yeah. now I'm, I'll wrestle with guys. And although some guys are just too big and you can't even yeah. <laughs> get close to yeah. them, they're like, nope. And uh, this wrestler, wrestler actually, this is when I was teaching fundamentals at Trevor's. <clears throat> and uh, I had him teach. Um, I asked if he wanted to run the fundamentals class for, for like a month. Yeah. Right. And he just taught wrestling the whole time. Yeah. And that was the smartest thing I've ever done because yeah. um, it's instantly made my, even like, for instance, pulling a guard. Yeah. And then just sitting up to a takedown from there. Yeah. It, it helps so much. Once you have that thread of you can get up and push the guy forward, yeah. it makes your guard game so much better. You try, well. I've tried that once or twice to sitting from sitting down single X, uh, but to a single and you stand up yeah. and then you realize you're doing it to a really strong wrestler. <laughs> yeah. I did that once on uh, Sean Albrick. And then I, I did the sit up into the single and I immediately realized I made a huge mistake because <laughs> he's got like tree trunk legs and it's like, crap yeah <laughs> i mean i startled him but yeah i just went in and i'm like he's not gonna move yeah mistake now i need to do jiu-jitsu yeah him. yeah little guys like <laughs> we gotta jump on the back like a spider monkey yeah actually uh, you know it's funny because i did my my listeners are probably annoyed i did one class with john danaher i was in new york nice uh he's if you're white belt do not do this class <laughs> yeah, do not you will you, never you, understand you need to have a fundamental understanding like thank god i'd been training with matt kwan a little bit mm -hmm prior otherwise i would have no clue what he was talking about but he does a sequence uh where you get the motorcycle grip and i did one class with him and then it didn't really click because it's a bit complicated and then a few months later all of a sudden i find myself doing it all the time now and it's my like, go-to back isn't that sequence. isn't that funny yeah because yeah. you can set up well, from that position you can set up the kimura you can set mm -hmm. up a triangle you can set up a bow and arrow choke you can set up arm bars all that sort of stuff from that one sort of setup where you get behind them uh, and it's just like it's my go-to of course i can only do it on one side if i get on the <laughs> other side i cannot do it but yeah. uh, it's funny how sometimes <laughs> techniques take a while to settle in your mind yeah right? like and i found over training like sometimes you're doing so many classes yeah. and learning so many things there becomes i think gsp was just talking yeah. about this as well like you're just your nervous system can't yeah. learn anymore yeah um i found sometimes you get a lot of insecurity when you get injured and you can't train. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But I would say the times that I come back after those layoffs, I tend to almost feel better Yeah. because all the shit that I didn't really care about fell away. Yeah. And just the techniques that stuck with me are stronger and I do the things that I'm good at again. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, if you try to diversify too much, like that's actually the thing in like Krav, like keep, I, when I first started, I was with an organization that had like 1200 techniques mm -hmm. too much. I pared it down to around 300 and like, Hey, what's the minimum I need to get people that yeah. they're going to be able to get reasonably proficient at that work for the most people like the bell curve. If it works 80% of the time for 80% of people in the most kind of average situation, that's a good technique. But yeah. if it only works for the athletic guys, it's no good. If yeah. it doesn't work for the little guys, it's no good. And then it's like, you find when you work through jujitsu, you're trying to learn all this stuff. And then you find you end up just defaulting to the same five things over and over again. And mm -hmm. I think that's what John was saying in, in one of his many podcasts that he did was that I teach like five submissions yeah. because they work. He went and looked, what are the top rate? Like if I look at high level competitive jujitsu, what are the five top submissions? I'm only going to focus on that. Yeah. You know, what are the five top takedowns? I'm only going to work on that. While it, you can get creative and do something that someone's never seen, like Worm Guard yeah. with Keenan Cornelius. No You're gaming does, the system. Yeah, right? it's like p people just have, have no idea what's going on. But once yeah. people kind of got their head around it, they're like, he, he started getting shut down all of a sudden. Yeah. 
I mean, worm con, it's annoying when someone gets in you, but the worst. <laughs> the worst. Uh, so that's why I really like these systems approach to yeah. um, training. Yeah. Like learning this Kimura system, what's been so revolutionary for my game, focusing on it, yeah. is it's not like I'm learning a pass or a sweep. The Kimura is effective from every single position. There's a way to enter it yeah. and to kind of funnel it all into the finishing position. So it's all encompassing. Yeah. Same with his headlock system. Like it comes from all over the place, right? So it's not just one thing you're learning. It can mm. it can change your entire game. Yeah, I need to watch those videos yeah. again. Just get on top. It's of worth it. it's worth it, man. Like yeah. I was not a big instructional guy. Yeah. Um, I don't think if I don't think I was ready to watch it. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. You know, I think just now because I've. I'm so familiar with it. Mm. I feel like I was retaining it. Mm. Whereas before it's just like yeah. you said, don't go to him if you're a white belt. Cause it will just, yeah, it's over here. you don't even know very basic things, let alone. Even some of his students seem confused. The training partner <laughs> I was with, like, yeah, I think you need to be blue belt or up to, but the guy I was partnered with, I think he seemed very, I was like, uh, so what, how do we do this? Like thinking the guy is like, I don't know. I've only been in this class once or twice. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Like, Great. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, that it's uh, too bad that that whole thing got shut down. That was a fun gym to go to. I know. The end of an era, huh? Yeah. I mean, did, did it close permanently? Henzo, no, it's still going. It it's still, like, well, I think it's still there. Yeah. They just I think Henzo's still, yeah, I think Henzo's still teaching. Nah, God, I'm not, like, I was debating with the wife. Like we were like, hey, let's go we, to Texas. How can we move to Texas? <laughs> I know. Like, I, free thinking i don't want don't govern me harder daddy please oh. god no uh. so we're like <laughs> we're trying to think like if and this is a scary thing the thing is if i have to get the fuck out of canada mm -hmm. what do i do and we're like we really want it like texas not because everyone's going there it just seems like a place that i would actually enjoy being yeah but you know the, the discussion is always like florida or texas i'm like I, I just don't think the lifestyle in florida is for me yeah uh, but the texas i don't lifestyle. think the lifestyle in florida is for anyone <laughs> <laughs> like, but you know they're a little freer right now than texas is but the i think the lifestyle and i was just thinking like i could call some immigration lawyers to see but it's like the reality is if you don't have a really good job or you don't have like half a million dollars immigrating legally to the states it's mm -hmm. still very difficult and then we're just thinking about like i have a, a uk citizenship it's like i mean i could move there but i've never lived there and i don't think i'd really want to live there yeah. but if i have to it's like i guess i could go they just dropped everything all mandates for everything including health work care workers it'll be in interesting UK. things things might be changing pretty quick here we'll see these these truckers are yeah. they're going hard yeah man. i saw a national post uh they're a little more right wing anyway but it's the title was the experts and politicians might change their minds about these health things, but it has nothing to do with the truckers. <laughs> yeah. It said that in the headline, and I'm just like, it has nothing to do with these racist the, truckers. You're the right-wing newspaper in Canada, yeah. or right of center, Canadian right of center. Yeah. I love how they're still yeah, on like Jesus. the fringe minority of protesters. Yeah. It's like, it, like, <laughs> well, you know, I was listening to, uh, do you know who God Sayed is? Yep. Yeah, so he just had Ariel on... Hawani's. Uh... Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny how that works. Yeah, <laughs> um, but so God Sayed and Jordan Peterson were very much like super pro vaccine, pro narrative to yep. start because they're still in that academic world, and mm -hmm. and now as they see it coming, they're like, actually, I might have been wrong about not like I'm not anti-vax or anything, but it's just like it might have been wrong, and and anyways, God Sayed had one of the leaders of the uh trucking protest okay. on his podcast and i've been hearing rumblings about this is is our politicians are starting to become as corrupted as the american politicians because you're starting to see these foreign interest groups influencing oh yeah the politicians and this guy was saying listen i i'm not naming names he actually named a few names but <laughs> 
he was saying that, uh, and this is where people get like uh, conspiratorial. It sounds conspiratorial, okay, but if you had told me five years ago, oh, like the global bankers are up to no good, I'm like, you're a conspiracy theory. But mm -hmm. because of COVID, I started looking into it. And it's not just them, it's uh, the, the World Economic Forum. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. This stuff is out in the open now. Charles Schwab, who's the head of the World Economic Forum, recently, in like the last three weeks, openly said, Trudeau is a good boy. We have basically half the cabinet member on our payroll. Yeah. Or something to those effects. Don't quote me exactly. And it's like, you are publicly and openly admitting that you have essentially bribed <laughs> the Canadian government yeah. to implement your policies which is why a lot of the policies being enacted by the current government, nobody asked for in this country. Mm -hmm. I'm not even talking about the vaccine thing, like the gun ban attempt. Nobody asked for that. A few fringe people, literally a few fringe people yeah. have been screaming at them for 30 years to ban guns. But most Canadians are like, what? What? <laughs> and, you know, I teach the firearms course. And even when you start teaching people the gun laws, they're like, oh, that's actually pretty reasonable. The, uh, yeah. <clears throat> I grew up around a lot of hunters and a lot of people. Yeah. They're like the most responsible people out there. They yeah, like... mostly, mostly. And then there was a, a recent, unfortunately, there was a murder-suicide recently, which is a mental health thing. Yeah. And what's the thing there? Oh, they had a legal pal. Someone in the house had a legal pal. It's yeah. like they're going all over that. It's like, dude, it's a murder-suicide. Yeah. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Um, because most gun crimes are done with illegal firearms, according to the RCMP statistics. Yeah. Uh, but it's like you need to ask yourself. I, the way I approach it, self-defense is um, it's a broader thing, like a broader way of the warrior. And it's like, listen, man, you need to know what your scumbag politicians are doing because mm -hmm. all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're in a fucking camp. You yeah. know, I got yelled. At. I don't know if you saw my Facebook because I made. I said, "Yeah, all the BC NDP have done full NDP, right?" Yeah. And holy shit, the Jews just don't like that. I'm like, <laughs> listen, if you don't understand that it starts with othering, and that group over there is making it worse for us, yeah. and it's because of that group. No, we're not being put in a Holocaust camp yet. That we're not getting. We're not even close to that. But you need to understand that that comparison is valid yeah as far as this is how these people operate this is how mao did it this is how stalin did it they start by picking a group you've been talking about this for like when i went to psychology i did a whole psychology on yeah. this they're like yeah it starts with othering the minority mm -hmm. whatever the group is it doesn't matter and for people not to see that comparison about hey our politicians are corrupted they're making policies that nobody in this country really wants. Yeah. And if you think you do, you've probably been lied to about why you want it. Well, if you just look at the yeah. supporters of, of this uh, the truck convoy, it's yeah. like clearly a, a large... Lot of Sikhs. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of support for this type of thing yeah. and, and a lot of patriotic pride. Like this yeah. is the first time um, in a while that I felt like, fucking right you know yeah. like even if it's not the perfect protest yeah well did you see there's the guy i i don't know if it was someone showed up with a confederate flag someone also had a nazi symbol now then the swastika i think they were making a comparison to trudeau yeah so that's very easy for people to confuse that if they just see a swastika <laughs> that is a damn risky sign to yeah. bring out <laughs> um, but one of the photos trudeau's personal photographer was right there i saw that and someone screen capped it and yeah. said why how are you right next to this person very interesting. at the right time and i think what's ha happening is average people are doing their own facts checking now they're mm -hmm. looking into stuff they're following the money and they're realizing that oh 
our government might be as corrupted as the U.S. politicians yeah. are. Well, because I don't even think we have freedom of press. Like, our news is run by the government. Yeah, so yeah, that's the fact. I'm going to make a meme of it when I have some time. I'll post it, but the meme will be out before this episode, so you can't copy me. But it's if I go on Facebook, and I, I do follow RT, which is Russian yep. state-controlled television, and I follow uh, the Chinese uh, English News Network or whatever it's called. And under both of them, it says state-controlled media. I've seen that, yeah. On, and on Facebook, because the governments here are all upset that mm -hmm. they fucked around in, in 2016. Yeah. Um, and then I go CBC, nothing. I'm mm -hmm. like, by definition, that the is state-controlled state media because they get all of their funding from, and even furthermore, regardless of what you think of uh, Rebel News, Ezra Levant, they're a bit inflammatory. I'll give, I'll give the opposition that. But he said almost all media now in Canada is paid for by the government. 100%. Uh, except for them and maybe a few smaller blogs mm -hmm. or something. True like North that. is a really good alternative. Yeah. True North actually put out a nonviolent bounty to find out who the person with the Confederate flag was oh, or wow. the Nazi. They like, put out a seven, seven grand bounty on find out who this person is mm -hmm. and find out why he did it find out why they did it because the suspects there there's so few of these people at the rally that it's likely they're plants and people will hold on a second well there's evidence that there were plants in january 6th yeah and i don't know if you saw that interview where the ted cruz was yeah yeah that was the fbi person and he's like i can't answer that question i can't <laughs> i mean it's a simple no yeah but you're saying I can't answer that question. Clearly, the person there, I forgot the guy's name, was a plant. That was one of the weirdest yeah. days. Like, that yeah. was the, you know, that whole thing yeah. was so silly. Well, I look at it like I just, I'm, even in the self defense community, people are yeah. like, it's insurrection. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Because as a, <laughs> as a, someone who understands security, mm -hmm. I did security in, when I was in, in, the, in the military. And I'm like, I thought it was very strange mm -hmm. that there was, they knew a million people are coming or whatever the mm -hmm. number was. Where was all the security? I mean, to in. me, yeah. you knew angry people are coming. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, a lot of them. There's more security at a Nickelback concert. Yeah. And I'm like, to me, that's suspicious. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying it's the Democrats. I'm not saying it's Trump. I don't know. Whoever gave the order not to have security there should be arrested. Mm-hmm. Because they are responsible for the deaths that happened. Yeah. And then there is the video of, come on in. I know, right? Which Taking pictures. Like, and like, <laughs> what the fuck? And then, and then they're like, oh, we were afraid for our lives, so we let them in. It's like, well, all right. Don't like, open the gate for them. <laughs> they'll jump over. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, just straight up, will come on in. And it's like, you should be scared for your life because there's nobody there to help you. There's like two guys with a pistol and 100,000 people. Or, you know, I'm just, I can't really yeah. know. And I just look at that as like, how can you not say there's a conspiracy? Going yeah, on? that was that was the stupidest thing I've ever like, seen in my life. Like, and people are just like, no, there's yeah. no conspiracy. Like, your government wouldn't. And I think a part of the issue, because there's, you know, some very nice martial artists, gym owners in the Metro Vancouver. They know who they are. They already hate me. So whatever. <laughs> we're just like, we just need to do what we're told. Yeah. Be a good citizen. I'm like, you're a moron. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. You're being stupid. Because we're t you're seeing, they just lied to you last time. Why are why are you telling the truth? You think they're going to tell the truth now? Yeah. They're lying you again. And, you know, me, I'm seeing the trend now, and it bothers me that in the martial arts community as well, well everyone thinks they're an expert now. And I'm just like, well, read the fucking scientific literature. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Read it. And I know the answer is they can't understand it. Yeah. Just admit, I don't understand. I'm really confused. This is, this is very frustrating for me. 
don't sit there and pretend like you weren't just lied to over and over and over and over again for two years. Yeah. Not not completely. Yeah. Uh, and I understand biology is confusing. I understand that the chemistry is confusing. I understand that things don't go the way you think they should. And it's just like, just admit you don't understand it yeah. instead of complying with insanity mm -hmm. at the end of the day that the truth is always somewhere in the middle right? yeah it's like there's going to be <clears throat> mistakes on both sides i think people it's just uh i'm not sure if it's intentional incompetence or people just because of herd mentality just get it's, naturally you know, willingly stupidly confident about I, I think it's fear too like a, you know if you're running a gym and you got a big monthly um nut that you gotta pay yeah. it's like man there's there's a lot of stress that comes with that so i, I don't blame any yeah. people who have had to uh to take these measures and stuff to a degree like if it's like if that's what your students want i guess but to me as a leader like you're segregating people some of you i know a lot of them aren't they're, yeah they're ignoring it yeah. the way i looked at it locally is like are the police arresting anyone in the martial arts community the answer yeah. was no 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 it hasn't happened i have certain individuals who are very obnoxious i agree with them but they're very obnoxious how they go about it cops showed up at their gym they were blatantly open the whole time yeah uh cops showed up three or four times no ticket nothing and i'm like Guys, open up your eyes for yeah. a second. Nobody's getting arrested. <laughs> Nobody's getting tickets. As you, long as your students are okay, just stay open. You know what it reminds me of? Yeah. Um, it reminds me of the war on drugs <laughs> when weed was illegal. Yeah. Right? And all growing up since I was a kid, mm. weed was illegal. Yeah. You know? It's bad, okay? Everybody smoked weed. Yeah. Like In BC. In yeah. BC. It yeah. was so huge. And... Like it's like the government didn't realize that happened. So when it, when they finally decide to legalize it, yeah. and they went, "Congratulations, guys! You can smoke weed now." Yeah. It's like we've already been doing it the whole time. You know, yeah. it's the, the disconnect of what they think is going on. Even all these protocols back in 2020. Yeah. Um, the reality was is everybody was going to work, and I worked on giant construction yeah. sites where they're like, "Hey, got to socially distance." Guess yeah. what? Nobody nope. did. <laughs> Nobody followed any of those rules. Yeah, and it was so when they're like, "Well, the protocols worked." It's like, "Well, no, you have no idea what was going on in the real world." Yeah, like, yeah. for most people, life just carried on. Well, you, you know, know? I, I bumped into his former student who's a firefighter, and uh, he's like, "And this is early on the well, actually, the wake up call for me was the cruise ship. Do you remember mm -hmm. the cruise ship? Yeah, it was mostly like seventy to eighty year olds. Yeah, everyone got it. The original strain, mm -hmm. six people died. Yeah, and I'm like, huh." And then my bumping the student as a firefighter is like, like I don't think this is a bad because shouldn't the homeless people be dropping dead? Mm -hmm. Now there's a couple things for British Columbia specific. I think we're a healthier population overall. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that people are pretty active. I think that because of the Asian community freaking out early on, which is a very large Asian community, the, the Chinese Asian community, they were staying indoors early on. Yeah, people were self staying home. Yeah. We did not have that many deaths in British Columbia. Now, factually, more people died in British Columbia as a result of COVID policies, directly or indirectly, than mm -hmm. of COVID. And people were like, still freaking out. I'm like, I just don't understand. Yeah, and and like with the homeless, the homeless thing, and um, and it, construction workers too. Yeah. Like we are covered in filth all the time. We're gross, yeah. nasty human beings who don't wash our hands. Yeah. And so, you know, you have a good, that's how you build an immune system. Yeah. Right. It's like, it was kind of like, it was affecting wealthier, oh. like. You want to know something really fucked up? Hmm. A lot of people don't know this. Let's take France, for example. Mm -hmm. Have you seen what's been going on in France? 
uh, protests? Uh, both. Yeah. But so France and Quebec operate on civil law. So civil law is different than common law. It's like the government says, the government goes. That's the way. Well, even in France, with all their strict policies and ridiculous attitudes, they still accept natural immunity. Mm-hmm. In Canada and the U.S., they refuse to accept it. So in most of these other My countries, Lord. if you have natural immunity, you can get your pass. Yeah. Because the, if your argument is, we don't want to overrun the medical system. Well, it's like if I already have immunity, whether I get it through a vaccine, uh, which, by the way, they only were meant for the alpha variant. They worked a little bit for the delta variant. Pfizer admitted they don't work for Omicron. <laughs> they okay. clearly don't. Pfizer admitted yeah. this is not a conspiracy. Uh, and so if the goal is to protect the medical system, then it doesn't matter how you get your immunity. You got immunity. Mm-hmm. And that should be the end of it. Because if your goal is to protect the medical system, it's about keeping people out of the hospital. What I realized locally, I don't know if you've run into this, people don't know how to use the hospital system here. Mm-hmm. As in they go to the hospital for everything. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what's bogging it down because during the peak of the pandemic, nobody was in the ER because everyone was terrified and it was empty. And like I, I, when I tore my ACL, I went there and I remember there was this Asian guy who had a bloody nose and the doctor is like, it just started bleeding. Yeah, like, like history, get the hell out of here. Yeah. Like, why are you here? Hospitals and, have heard major cuts, broken bones, yeah. and like, I'm dying of a fever horror. And then I found yeah. out that in a lot of Asian countries, you don't go to a clinic or your personal doctor, you go to the hospital. Mm. So the entire community hasn't been taught by our own government how to use the system that we have. It's like, Dude, is something sticking out of your body? Is there like growths happening from five <laughs> minutes ago? Are there something that you need treatment now? Yeah. If it's not now, you don't go to the hospital or the ER. Mm-hmm. Um, so even uh, I did that five-day quarantine. Yeah. After five days, my boss calls me. He's like, hey, so uh, we're offering the booster shot. Do you yeah. want to take the booster shot? Like, this is my booster shot. I just <laughs> had the booster shot. Like, you know, like, yeah. what do you mean? It, you know? In the movie industry in BC, if you get uh, get it, they actually give you, I was just told this the other day, you get 90 days pass. Oh, interesting. In that industry. Why that yeah. industry, I wonder? The industry that never shut down in BC. Oh, it did for about two weeks. And low-key, the biggest industry in BC. That that makes money. By the way, one of the largest contributors politically to the BC NDP is the Teachers Union. Mm, interesting. Now, the Teachers Union in Canada is not as bad as the States. No. The States is like, why you guys even bother anymore? Uh, <clears throat> but the teachers didn't want to go to work. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if you remember, uh, you, you're about my age. How old are you? I forgot. 32. Yeah, you're a little younger than me. But uh, do you remember when there was strikes the kids the teachers were going on strike and all the kids were like walking out and protesting yeah all the kids were skipping i was protesting that yeah, yeah. all the uh, most kids were just skipping oh i just didn't want to go yeah <laughs> and that's what's going on in schools and universities nowadays is the teachers and the kids don't want to be there because let's be honest the, the environment is shitty mm-hmm. nobody enjoys the school system anymore it's yeah. terrible it's so yeah, that's it's kind of daycare for yeah. poor people we need know? to be honest that that's the real reason the teachers don't want to be there anymore yeah. The kids don't want to be there anymore. They actually enjoy learning from home, even mm-hmm. though for the kids' development, it's not good. Yeah. But kids are getting away with yeah. murder because they're I, just at home. On I think it can be done, right? Yeah. And uh, I've talked about this with <clears throat> my girlfriend as well, that I would be interested in homeschooling oh, uh, my child. Oh, 100%. Because, like, you, you know, you see, you can really make some serious progression yeah. with that. But you have to you have to supplement social activities. and Because and, oh, yeah. you still need to learn. The most valuable part of high school is yeah. learning those little things, yeah. right? But 
Well, that's something it's like, uh, I'm obviously going to teach. We're in my garage gym. I'm going to teach my kids martial arts here. If they're running around, like, well, no, we're going downstairs and you're wrestling. This is where you run around. But I was thinking about it. It's like, sure, I could run a kid's program, but I think it's good if I take it to somebody else's kid's program and just kind of leave them. Exactly. Like, I'm going to be teaching them at home, but mm-hmm. then it's like, no, you go listen to uh them and i'm not there mm-hmm. and you got to play that's how you socialize them. yeah you get them with other groups of kids and similar activities and mm-hmm. then you leave them with another adult who's uh that you trust then uh they'll learn their social skills that's like the biggest thing because you know when we were growing up the kids who were homeschooled were the they were <laughs> yeah yeah um, but nowadays i think it's the way to go it's like if you really care about your child if you think about it why it's just happened is because they convinced everybody men or women it doesn't matter but they convinced that both parents needed to work because for the system that's more workers yes but now your kids are being managed by people who don't even give a shit like i remember i went to daycare and they just sit us in front of the tv and walk off and be like call me if you need something that's why i say like those school systems are just daycare for poor people because both parents need to work yeah right like that's kind of what it is that's what it was designed for and then for rich parents they send their kids off to boarding school anyway yeah they don't want to be a parent (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's like uh, i'm watching have you seen the jack whitehall travels with his father no it's so funny we just bored netflix and we saw his stand up and we're like his dad comes out on a stage uh, he's this, a British comedian, Jack Whitehall. His father turns out to be a huge British talent agent like Colin Firth and uh, like Helen, not Helen Mirren, like uh, Judy Dench. Like his okay. dad is like established entertainment. And they did this TV show for Netflix where they're traveling around and it's just, uh, I forgot what the point of the story was. <laughs> but it's damn good. I'll watch it. Um, uh, where did I start? I lost it. There was a point to uh, that boarding school. Boarding school. Oh yeah, yeah. One Jamie, of the, pull that up. Yeah, one of the ongoing bit was Jack, uh, who's the son, is like, "You just ship me off to boarding school. Like, yeah, you left me alone." And it's like, because the dad's obviously a rich kid. Now they, yeah. they have a pretty good thing going on, but it's like rich kid parents are too busy, so they ship their kids off to boarding school. At least they get good education. Yeah. Well, as public school is poorly funded, it always takes the cuts. Uh, you know, and that's I don't know if you've seen my some of my rants. I'm kind of just chilling because I just can't handle it, but. Don't tell me, like, this is about the health and wellness of people. Yeah. Like, don't tell me yeah. that because before this pandemic, you were underfunding the medical system. Why, are, why don't we have more doctors yet? And then you find out the reason, you're like, you mother... We don't have enough beds. It's like, well, you've had two years to build a tent with some beds in it. That's not even the reason. It's, yeah. it's the doctors' association. I've been told by multiple doctors and, and people off the record. The doctors association in Canada does not want more doctors because they feel they don't get paid enough. So Mm. they want their overtime. And if they actually allow more doctors, they will not have to get their overtime. I'm like, hold on a Mm. second. I don't want fucking doctors in the ER working 18 hour days. Are you out of your fucking mind? So it's actually the entire system has been completely mismanaged. And even though it's a public system, it's greed mm-hmm. that's actually keeping it. And I don't know too much about the specifics, but I'm I'm understanding that a lot of duties could be passed off to nurse practitioners who basically do them anyway. I don't need a fucking doctor to sign off on every goddamn thing. Uh, but they won't do it because the doctors have to feel self-important. Interesting. I went to school for 12 years. I don't give a shit. You know how much wrong advice a doctor has given me yeah. in Canada? A lot. Yeah. Because they didn't. I just spent the last couple of days looking up what's the current research on something and i go to them and i'm like have you read anything on this topic in the last five years they're like no i just do what i'm told oh, like i said doctors are for if you have a horrible cut or your bones are sticking yeah. out of your skin other than that 
you know, you kind of have to, you do have to take it into your own nutrition, yeah. personal wellness, mental yeah. awareness. Yeah. How's um, your diet? What are you eating these days? Uh, I mix it up. Mix it so, up. Well, for two weeks of my life, I'm at this camp. Yeah. And it's all unlimited food, right? So, yeah. um, I free actually, food, free food, free gym, which is nice. Didn't shut down. Yeah. Uh, I was experimenting with fasting actually. Oh yeah. Um, and that, I did, I did five 24 hour fasts in a row. Yeah. Um, which was partially out of laziness. I would just eat dinner and then not eat till the next dinner the next oh, day. Oh, I see. So you one meal day. One, one meal a day for five days. There's a name for that one. I forgot. Yeah. Anyway. But, uh, and that was more of just an experiment on my own body. And yeah. actually it was, it was pretty good. I was surprised how, yeah. uh, well, here's not the, hungry thing. Was. the scientific literature around fasting or intermittent fasting or mm -hmm. some degree of fasting is quite strong mm -hmm. as in positively. Not for everyone. Uh, the, uh, a lot of research up until recently that was never done on women. So, for example, men can do intermittent fasting or uh, long fasting. Women should not, based on this, it's not solid yet, but women shouldn't really be doing four, five, six-day fasts. It's better if they do I alternating day I fasts. Could, I could see that. But uh, our bodies seem to be designed not to be shoving food in our faces all the time. Yeah, we have it completely backwards, yeah. right? It's like if you think about a wild animal. Yeah. It doesn't eat up and gorge first thing and then walk around. Yeah. Like it hunts for the day. It does the work it needs to do and then gets a reward yeah. at the end of the day, right? And, you know, I grew up, I always had breakfast. I was, you know, at least my parents, at the time, the wisdom was eat your breakfast. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, I don't eat breakfast anymore. If I want to no. eat breakfast food, I'll eat it for lunch and, yeah. then, and just move. But I found it's a lot better. My digestive tract is can't handle a lot so yeah. that's that whole you should not burden your body with the the energy requirements of that if you have things to do that was to, the biggest thing for yeah. me too sorry to interrupt but uh because of the amount i can eat at these camps yeah. you would have a huge dinner go to sleep wake up at four in the morning eat a giant breakfast yeah. and then graze throughout the day yeah and I found when I cut out the breakfast, yeah, I felt so much better. Right. It was insane. The coffee, I could feel the coffee. I wasn't tired anymore. Yeah. Like I, I, my whole life, I would eat breakfast because mm -hmm. I'm like it's the healthy thing to do. Well, I used to always have energy crashes. I need naps in the afternoons, like always. Mm -hmm. Well, I cut out breakfast, intermittent fast. I don't need naps anymore unless I'm like, interesting, really right? crazy. And it's like ah, like uh, like my parents aren't bad people, but they just always did what they were told. As mm -hmm. if the government says the <laughs> yeah. health. Da, 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 da. It's like, you know, the vitamin D thing. Uh, it turns out, I just wish I remember where I found out this information, that the 2000 uh, UI or the daily dose limit for vitamin D is what doctors tell you you should take. Well, actually, it turns out that's the minimum. Mm. And it, it's post-World War II where they're like, how much vitamin D do we need to tell our citizens to take? To so survive. They, to, so they don't drop dead <laughs> and it was 2000 because it was rationing yeah it's like wait, wait wait so if i had been going to doctor my whole life they're like don't take too much vitamin d it'll kill you it's like but there's actually no evidence that it'll mm -hmm. i mean obviously if you take like thirty thousand a day it's a bit much and then you find out fauci was taking twelve thousand the entire <laughs> pandemic and you're like you motherfuckers yeah. and then you find out this conventional wisdom that we've been told of what's healthy is based on a lie again mm -hmm. uh the story i was listening to this story once it was this woman was cooking a turkey and she cut off the end of the turkey and put it and the husband's like, what the hell are you doing? You're going to make it like dry. Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Oh, that's what I was taught. Uh, so he goes to ask the mother, why, why did I do that? And uh, she's like, I don't know. That's what your grandmother did. And I go, ask grandma, why are we cutting it off? Because everyone's telling me it's actually bad for the cooking. It's like, well, oh yeah, I just had a really small <laughs> oven and it wouldn't fit. So I used to cut it off and put it in. And then you realize the reason 
that we were doing something or we were told something uh, at a point, there was a legitimate reason. And mm-hmm. then we forgot the reason. And now we're just doing nonsense because that's what we're told is the correct. So much of what we do is. Yeah. That. And I, and I like to teach, teach my students, are you doing it just because I'm telling you to do it? Or are mm-hmm. you doing it because it works for you? Like, Knowing the why behind <clears throat> yeah. the doing. How much of that do you incorporate into your teaching? Um, I'm a, I'm a pretty cerebral yeah. instructor, I would say. I'm just based on uh, Trevor teaching me. You know, he was a very, yeah. um, he wasn't very surface level. Let's just say that, you know, yeah. and he had a lot of good stories and um, very Too many good. bar fights, right? Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. And just conceptual and trying to think of the why behind yeah. it, you know? Some people just want the meat and potatoes, Yeah. but I try to, uh, yeah, I like to have, you know, sit after class and have long conversations yeah. and just, I could talk for fucking hours about martial arts. You used to do that and then I was like, you need to come home. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, fun, fun fact about this whole, uh, if we get back into the COVID conspiracy. Yeah, sure. Um, I was actually just in Germany. Hmm. Um, the Germans. I was, I was with the Germans, um. I was I was actually going to meet my long lost father. Oh, that's so that was so that was pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't seen him since I was like six years old or mm. something. So, so you just wandered off. You don't have to get into it, but uh, no, it's fine. Yeah. Um, no, he was married to my mom, and then when I was born, he moved back to Germany. Oh yeah, and I didn't really know why. Yeah. Turns out it was to just go live his own fun life. But, yeah, you know, oh. whatever. No, no fun hard time. feelings. But uh, <clears throat> so he had contacted me in the last couple of years right before COVID, mm. and wanted me to come out there, but and COVID happened yeah so finally i was like man he's also old he's yeah. 84 years old uh, so i was like i should probably get out there yeah. right so my buddy came with me who's unvaccinated mm. and then uh, germany did not like that very no, much I bet. we got off the plane to a bunch of armed guards standing there yeah. checking our papers yeah the papers yeah fail your papers <laughs> And uh, let me through no problem. They grilled my buddy for like 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, they're like, you're not going to have a good time here in Germany. Why are you here? Yeah. You know? Because Germans follow the rules. Yeah. Oh, do they, do they ever? Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> so he had to convince them that he had a place to stay because at the time in Germany, you couldn't stay in a hotel. Yeah. Couldn't go in grocery stores. Mm. You like couldn't do anything, mm. basically. Um, and so our first, our first night... We I can we couldn't find a goddamn hotel for this guy. Yeah. I was like, dude, you're gonna have to sleep in the car because like, yeah. it was uh, it was like he was my little Jew friend. I was sneaking around <laughs> Germany, right? you know, like, so um, and we finally got into a hotel because, um, the guy just forgot to look at our papers. He asked if we had them. We said yeah. yes, and then he forgot and let us in. Yeah, and then we're staying in this little closet of a room, and he's afraid to leave the room in case they find out, you know, yeah. and, um. Don't get me wrong, like, I, I also trained at a few gyms, mm. um, and I got to teach a seminar at a really good gym there in Germany. Yeah. So a lot of really awesome people, the same as us, same mentality, they're sick of all this stuff as well, but yeah. the general population, like... They follow the rules. Oh, yeah, because we couldn't eat anywhere, so I would have to go in and get the food, and we'd be eating on the streets. You think they, you know, the whole, even with all their history, you think they would have learned that blindly following <laughs> rules constantly is not always a great thing, but that aspect of their culture just yeah. did not want to change. Well, the irony, <laughs> the irony is um, I actually didn't ask my dad if he was vaccinated, yeah. and I was bringing an unvaccinated person to his house, yeah. and he's an old man, yeah. so as we're getting there, I'm like... Sure, but don't kill my father in this process. <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> <Yeah>. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but he, as an older German, 
was having none of it. Yeah. He was not getting vaccinated, like, didn't give a shit. He would just go into stores no matter what. Yeah. People would ask him. He'd freak out at them. Yeah. Um, so the older generation, I think, is still kind of had it. Yeah. But the younger generation, they were more than happy. And even like, so I'd go into a store and get the food, and we'd be eating it on the street like mm. some gypsies. Yeah. Didn't, I, they did that in a few countries where they just said, screw it, and had picnics right outside restaurants, yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah. in, in France and there. Uh, I mean, I think the walls are coming down. Is I mean, I'm I'm just upset at humanity because I mean, just purely logical. Like mm-hmm. even if you don't understand the science and stuff, it's like the logic is not making yeah. sense. The right? the mask <laughs> thing was interesting because for me, I've done a lot of traveling. Mm. Even 2016, 17, <clears throat> you go to Thailand and India, everybody wears a mask. Yeah. Before COVID ever existed, everybody wore those damn masks. Yeah. The funny part was it was to prevent pollution, which it like equally does not yeah. protect against that either. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, it's funny, like at the start, I was telling people to wear a mask when the experts were not telling them. But the, the reason is, here's the deal. I used to do occupational and stuff, health and safety. A huge part of that is respirators. I'm sure you know mm-hmm. in the construction sites. And at the time, what were the public health experts telling us mm-hmm. they were telling us it was droplets. It's yeah. like, oh, it's droplets. Wear a mask. Makes sense. We we're, yeah. wear a mask. And then it came out, oh, they knew it was airborne the whole mm-hmm. fucking time. And I actually... And you don't have to hand sanitize yeah, every... Like, it's so... That crazy. was disproved super quick, and we still did it for, like, six months. <laughs> um, but... And then I got in a dispute with a, fr- a colleague of mine about masks. I was like, there are some efficacy, and da, 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 da. and he was like, nope, the the reason why that, that doctors wear it is a silly reason. I forgot the reason. But then someone sent me a link with pre-COVID, 70 peer-reviewed studies and another 30 non-peer-reviewed study that medical masks don't do shit for airborne anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, you were right. Yeah. And then I'm just like, wait, this scientific literature was there and all over the world prior to this pandemic that these medical masks do not work for any meaningful purpose mm-hmm. for airborne. A droplet's different, yeah. but airborne. And I'm like... Again, it's the turkey thing. Mm-hmm. Are we just doing stuff because the medical community has decided that this is a thing we do, that it works? And that's why that, that's why for a lot of people, it was really easy to jump onto the mass train because, yeah. once again, in Asia, like everybody's already wearing it, and yeah. they don't really know why, yeah. and it's just not a big deal over there. Yeah. And they'll say, oh, but if you're sick, it's like, okay, but if you're sick and contagious, you should stay home. Mm-hmm. The mass, if it's airborne, airborne, it's not going to work. Uh, I think the creepiest thing that happened, so we went traveling uh 2019 i think we left like november 2019 yeah right before covid yeah i was in spain when covid hit mm-hmm. and uh but flying out in a sunny country when COVID. It, was not, it was nice yeah <laughs> uh but we had a layover in taiwan mm. once again this is november 2019 the word covid wasn't even a yeah in the term it is now yeah i think corona yeah. um you fly into the the taiwan airport and it was it was like it was 2021 here yeah. in 2019. They, thermometer testing everybody, quarantine areas, people yeah. in hazmat suits. I got oh, a you were in Taiwan. I was in Taiwan. Yeah, I have a story about that. But go on. Yeah. Sec, yeah. And uh, at this point, like, there was no global pandemic. And yeah. I got there. I was like, what the hell is yeah. happening in China right now? And yeah. it wasn't for another two months until we found uh, out until yeah. it all began. Right. Yeah. But. Well, here, I wrote a whole blog post about it. Again, people are like, you're an asshole. I'm, not, I'm just pointing out the obvious. Okay, well, 2006 was SARS-CoV-1, mm-hmm. which, by the way, people still have immunity for 20 years later. Crazy. Immunity for life, apparently. Uh, and uh, one of the only countries in the 21st century 
that picked up their plan that they all every single country had yeah. was Taiwan. Oh. Hey, we have a pandemic coming. Let's follow that plan we all fucking wrote. Yeah. So when Canadian government is like, it's racist to close borders. <laughs> yeah, Taiwan had already closed it to the rest of China. And they said, how could we possibly not have known this? I'm like, they literally had fucking plans. Yeah. Taiwan is the only one following the plan. Mm -hmm. That's why they did well early on. Yeah. And then not so well anymore. But uh, I'm just like, how can you not see this? Yeah. And then you try to explain to people they had plans. I wrote a whole thing about it. They mm -hmm. had plans on paper. Here's mm -hmm. all the links. They had the plan. No, the government wouldn't lie to us like that. I just, and I think like Canadians are just... I am not a normal Canadian. I'm angry all the time. But, yeah. you know, the, the average Canadian is just like, because they wouldn't be malicious, at least they think they wouldn't, or they wouldn't do that, or I'm a nice person. Well, they wouldn't. Why would they do yeah. that? I'm like, here's the evidence. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the original the starting of this conversation. <clears throat> Most nice people would like to believe that everybody else is rational and nice. Yeah. You know, and the reality is the world is not no, like that. People are crazy animals. Yeah. I like, uh, do you ever read Dune? No. Oh, you gotta. Yeah. It's like the best science fiction ever. But there's this uh, group of, the Bene Gesserits are like uh, a sect of, they believe in like genetic lineages and stuff, but they, they have a perspective that I very much uh, alike is that we're all born an animal and you have to prove that you're a human. And mm. the way they do that is they when they're testing their candidates for their acolytes, they put their hand in, a, in this little box and this little box, create it just stimulates the nerves and it creates immense pain. And it's basically, listen, you know nothing is going to happen in your hand. Your pain receptors are going to tell you that your hand is like melting mm -hmm. and you're going to want to pull it out. You have to prove to us that you can use your prefrontal cortex to override your baser instincts and keep your hand in there because you know your hand is going to be fine. Yeah. You know. And that's their test. And even more, if you pull your hand out, they kill you. So it's like, it's a bit, <laughs> You're really not it's, pull your it's hand just up. the attitude that you as an intellectual being now, a human being can override your base instincts mm -hmm. and you need to. The survival mechanism. Yeah. And yes, you have, uh, you need to have a lot of knowledge nowadays for certain topics, but the baser instincts stop panicking. It was like, <coughs> excuse me, the, uh, fucking janet yellen who's uh, toby is always going off about janet yellen she was the head of the federal reserve oh, in the okay. states and she's like and everyone's screaming about inflation right the dollar is losing its value and they're like there'll be no problem what happened in the 70s everyone was panicking so yeah. just just don't panicking and it's like hey bitch people are panicking already inflation's <laughs> gonna go through the roof yeah. no, 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 just 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 don't panic and then everyone's already panicking because you guys are morons yeah uh, it's like if you do what we tell you yeah. everything will work just fine it's like but we don't like what you're doing yeah. stop it <laughs> and no nothing makes people panic more than being like don't panic you, you should know? ask toby john said ask yeah. about janet yeah he gets he gets fired up yeah um you are you're familiar with wim hof of course yeah yeah i should do it more about um, you know. so another fun fact i actually i ice baths with wim hof oh once. yeah nice yeah i just oh. didn't want to pay the money when he was here it, it was too expensive <laughs> me and toby went actually yeah um yeah, uh, we actually smoked weed with his daughter and nice. and went ice bathing should, with him. You should have got mad at her and said, "Why did you put money on the app? <laughs> it was free, and now oh, you really has pay for it." Uh, <laughs> Anyways, but uh, so yeah, I've been really into breathing for a long yeah. time. But what you were talking about with the pain receptors on the hands, yeah, one of the things you realize with uh, breathing mm. is that your brain will tell you you need to breathe way before you need to breathe. Yeah, um, and it's that same thing. <clears throat> the panic and, and part of 
part of learning how to do the Wim Hof breath holding and um, free diving and that sort of thing is the really interesting thing is your brain will start to panic. And then when it realizes you're not listening, it just stops. Yeah. And then like 40 seconds later, it'd be like, yo, you should probably breathe again. Yeah. <laughs> and then you don't, it goes, okay, it stops. Yeah. You realize how much more there is to your ability mm. than what your brain's trying to, most people think like with hunger, Yeah. the second I feel hungry, I need to eat. It's like, yeah. no, you don't. Well, you know, if you actually uh, like fasting and stuff, and so if you if you understand how it works, like mm -hmm. glycogen dump will cause a hunger pain. Mm -hmm. So if you eat carbs in the morning, it will cause you to be hungry. Yes. But if you don't eat, and I'm not saying you should do one or the other. I, I very much believe in uh, one size does not fit all when it comes to health and wellness and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but if you understand, I'm feeling hungry because I just had oatmeal for breakfast, and my body's telling me I'm hungry because it's called a glycogen dump. That's what it does. Yeah. But I'm not actually hungry. You can override that, mm -hmm. but like I, you know, I have friends who are trying to lose weight. I'm like, listen, man, if, if you're always hungry, maybe eat your carbs in the evening, because if you can't deal with that pain, that's all it is. Yeah. It's just the chemical reaction because of the type of food you're eating in the morning. Yeah. But I like bread. Stop having bread in the morning, <laughs> I and I guarantee you, it'll be a lot easier to to do this because it's just how it works. Mm -hmm. Now, say you're a bodybuilder or something, and you're working out, you know, all day long, and you need to be able to quick access to energy then yeah you will want that glycogen dump at the beginning i'm not an expert on this but yeah it's just this is my point it's just having a loose understanding of how it works mm -hmm. you're like oh i'm not really hungry it's yeah. just what i ate this morning yeah and if i don't want to feel hunger pains i'll just switch up what i'm eating so that it's more in line and, and that goes back to what you were talking about of so many people it's like the turkey thing again yeah. right <clears throat> you're you're used to eating because you feel that hunger you're not actually thinking about what that means or what it is yeah Right. Same with breathing. I'm holding my breath for 30 seconds. I think I'm going to die. Yeah. I have to breathe. Yeah. Here's another one that's I'm really fucked up. Uh, like when I read this, I'm like, I think all of uh, the are, Internet. Knows are that you serious? Yeah, that's <laughs> it was to do with women giving birth. OK, I like this road we're going. Yes. So if you go to a hospital in Western medicine in all its wisdom, how do women position themselves to give birth? With that little girdle thing. They're lying on their back. Yeah. Legs open. Yeah. And then you find out why. It's got nothing to do with medicine. And you're like, I read it. And I'm like, this is why I don't fucking trust doctors. Yeah. <laughs> they're all doing something that's horrible for women. Mm -hmm. Why do they decide that that is the acceptable position for women to give birth in all Western worlds? Because there was a French king, I forgot which one, who had 22 kids and he's a fucking pervert and he liked to watch a show. Oh. And that's legitimate history. Mm -hmm. And I read that. I'm like, whoa, wait. So actually what the third world countries are doing where women squat or they, uh, they bend doing over. Doing the bath sometimes. Yeah, well, they squat in a position or they, you go on your hands and knees. And, oh, and oh, I'm yeah. like, and then you realize the medical literature says, hey, yeah, actually giving birth on your back is really horrible for women. That's mm -hmm. why labor is so long nowadays. And you're like, but all the doctors agree that that's the way to do it. <laughs> And then it's just, it's mind boggling to realize that the doctors are all fucking wrong. Mm -hmm. They're just doing it because that's what they're told to do. Because some perverted king 200 years ago is a piece of shit. It has nothing to do with health yeah. and wellness. And, I, and I'm just like, I'm, my mind is blown with that. And this is why I trust your doctor. Mm -hmm. It's like, you need to understand that's a legal thing. Obviously, if you don't know anything, don't just stick shit in your body. Okay. Yeah. But it's a legal thing and you need to understand that and then when you find out details about the masks and you find out the details about 
and by the way, they did studies during the pandemic. It didn't give them the results that they wanted, and they kind of ignored it, it under brushed the... it under the. <laughs> it was ten percent efficacy at best yeah. for medical masks at best, and that was for Delta. I think they did it when Delta was the major. So it does nothing for for that uh, for uh, Omicron, and it's just like, I'm sorry, doctors can be wrong. Yeah, and then you look at the history of science or medicine. And while we're slowly advancing closer to the truth on every given topic, 80% of the history of them is the majority of them being fucking wrong. Yes. That is the scientific process. That's the scientific process. You have to admit that everyone is wrong half the time, a large percent of the time. Mm -hmm. And then we learn a new piece of information. And it's like, uh, it's like the plate tectonics. The guy who cre uh, discovered or came up with the theory of plate tectonics <clears throat> died a crazy person. He came up with this theory. They all laughed him out of science. They laughed him, laughed him, laughed him. And then 30 years after his death or something, someone, they actually discovered something. And they're like, I remember reading about this crazy scientist <laughs> that was actually right. It's actually usually the fringe guys that progress mm -hmm. knowledge forward because everyone else is just doing what they think everyone else wants them to do. Yeah. It's just like martial arts. Yeah. To circle well, back. Genius is insanity, right until it works. Right? Yeah, it's uh, or rich. Rich is the difference between crazy and uh, eccentric, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. um, you know, no, uh, like Helio Gracie, what he did for jujitsu, mm -hmm. right? Oh, I'm a small guy. I need to be able to deal with bigger guys, and he started doing something that no one had seen before. Mm -hmm. That's so when uh, Hoist Gracie went into UFC, and it's like no one knew what the hell he's doing. Everyone thought he was crazy. This little guy showing up in a gi and then choked everyone out. Yeah. But then what happens is then all of a sudden it became that cult-like following. And yeah. And started to put people Always. on pedestals, you know. People and, like groups. And there's nothing worse than you, never, you should never put your instructor on a pedestal, the yeah. doctor's on a pedestal, but your parent, you know, everybody's just people, yeah. you know, at the end of the day. like. Yeah. And I, my theory is that it's actually an evolutionary thing is, is mm -hmm. this, for the species to survive, you need 80% of the group not doing crazy shit so yeah. you don't all die <laughs> yeah. but you need that 20 percent of crazy pe people doing crazy shit that's Absolutely. different so that uh it can progress and that group can screw around and that one guy figures out how oh yeah jumping off of a cliff is a pretty stupid idea eh? yeah <laughs> um and you need that but then it creates the psychological phenomenal in group out group we need social things so a lot of people choose to be in the collective even though it's wrong. Yeah. And, you know, when we're in a new time in society, too, where the social media has, has really <sighs> changed everything, yeah. right? It's created a hive mind that is now that it's, that it's just corrupted. Like, it's yeah. it's an unhealthy... Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because people are like, don't get any information. I'm like, I get a lot of my news, and it's 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 from the media. You have to know how to sift through it mm -hmm. because it's an aggregate. So much so that the news uh, people are getting pissed off now in Australia... In order, every shared story on Facebook, they now have to pay the news media. And they're trying to do that in Canada, too. Crazy. It's basically the traditional media is losing all its money. Nobody gives a fuck about you losers. I know, right? Uh, stop being idiots. And they're getting mad at social media for being an aggregate where I can go. Well, now I'm actually getting more information than ever. So I do use Facebook. Mm -hmm. But I'm not following ridiculous sites. If a site is being uh, like obnoxious or speculative, I stop following them. Yeah. Right. I'll have, uh, you know, I have Russian television. I have follow the CBC. Some of them I just can't. Like I stopped following the Daily Hive. I want everyone to know the Daily Hive is not news. They are a paid for advertising platform. Mm -hmm. So every single article in there has been paid for. So when you think it's news, you are getting 
propaganda. Same with Vice. Like, Vice collapsed into it. It was just be amazing. Because well, uh, uh, Shane Smith, when he used to run Vice, yeah. and then it became he, he was on Rogan's back in the day a bunch yeah. of times. It was a great interview. And his stories are crazy. Yeah. And you would get, get liquored right now. But here's what happens is you create a successful news network. The big guys buy you out yeah. and then just bring you into the fold. And that's why I say in Canada, almost all media is under the umbrella of these big corporate guys. Mm-hmm. There's very few free independent like uh, like Rebel News is one. Again, I understand they're very inflammatory and they're a little speculative on certain stuff. Like you, you ever listen to Tim Pool? Yeah. I can't because he got me in a little bit of trouble. Is When you produce that kind of content, I, I don't like the 24-hour news article. He's filling it with so much speculation. Yeah. And then I'm like, you know, the whole Trump, uh, the, the election was rigged. The, the things that Tim Pool were saying were speculation and his guesswork on what he thinks legal stuff. Then you listen to someone like Ben Shapiro who actually understands how the fucking law works. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean, technically there's this thing, but that's never going to happen. Here's why. Here's all the procedures. <laughs> yeah. And I stopped listening to Tim Pool. It's just you get he's working people up with speculation. And mm-hmm. I'm not interested in doing that. But you need to know to be able to listen to these sources and be like, am I getting more legitimate information or less legitimate information? Mm-hmm. Like Ben Shapiro has very strong opinions on certain topics that I don't agree with. Him. Yeah. But on other topics, I'm going to get very accurate, very up-to-date, very reasonable, like on legal American legal stuff. He's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be able to look through your sources and be like, okay, what are they good at? What are they not good at? There's so many parallels <laughs> even to martial arts when it comes to that sort of yeah. thing. You know, One of the reasons I like Danaher so much is because he'll talk like, oh, for the Kimura, do I like a C-grip yeah. or do I like the cupping? Yeah. And he goes, I watched every single high-level Kimura finish yeah. in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And I wrote down how many times it was a C-grip versus a non-C-grip. Yeah. And I can tell you it doesn't really make a difference. Yeah. Um, except for a certain point. But the point being is like, I could trust the research that he does. Yeah. You know? The consistent. The consistency. And <laughs> even when you're learning techniques, you got to look at who you're learning it from. Yeah. Um, like, are they fringe because they're telling the truth, or are they fringe because they're a crazy person? Like, uh, do you know who Brett Weinstein is? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I look at him. Is he the mathematician? No, that's his brother. Oh, that's right, Eric. Right. Eric's a little out there sometimes. Yeah. But Brett's, uh has his own podcast, uh, The Dark Horse. is very good with his wife, uh, Heather. And uh, they're a very trusted source of information for me, especially to do with COVID, because... They're evolutionary biologists. They understand how biology works, okay? And they, Brett was actually caught up in the whole uh, evergreen, the woke bullshit on the university. He was one of the first people warning, 10 years ago, warning people about this. Mm -hmm. So he was right about that. And he is consistently more correct. And when he's wrong, he'll admit it. For example, as listening to their podcast, they wrote a book. I haven't uh, read it yet. It was The Hunter Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century. And I was listening to the podcast and I said, Books already published, but there is a piece of information in our own book that is incorrect. It, new research came out and they corrected it. And it's like, wow, <laughs> I'm going to listen to these people because like they're that. correcting yeah. themselves. They they could say, I published this book. I did this. I am this. I'm mm-hmm. that. They don't do that. They've been consistently more correct about stuff. They'll admit when they're wrong. They correct it as they go. So for me, they're a more legitimate source than some like Teresa Tam, whose whole shtick is, you all need to be terrified of pandemics. Yeah. She wrote papers about this. You know that's her shtick. Teresa Tam's the uh, health, ad- yeah. our version of Fauci. Yeah. 
Uh, not as malicious as him, but she's. Uh, but like, when was stupid. when was nobody ever supposed to get sick again? Like, I'm confused as to like, is that our goal now? Because that was well, never the goal. Well, it's called it's called zero. I've called. I don't know if other people call it. It's, I call it zeroism. Yeah, and it's it goes against nature. It will so, never happen. Yeah, like, it's you, crazy. Even in physics, point of diminishing returns. There's a certain amount of deaths you have to accept in any given thing that are not going to go away. There will be a point because in order to get rid of that amount of deaths. Uh, the amount of energy and effort will destroy society as mm -hmm. we're seeing. You can't do that. Yeah. So it's like, well, Omicron, are the deaths, I haven't, I don't actually know, I haven't looked into it. I should. Are the deaths from Omicron now, because there are deaths now, or, or, originally there were not, are they equal to or less than the average flu year? Because if they're equal to or less than the average flu year, guess what? We have already established that that's an acceptable amount of deaths. Yeah. We're done. And you just have to realize that. Uh, it did not help they were fucking around with the numbers with COVID, died of COVID or died with mm -hmm. COVID. And I knew they were lying about that at the very beginning. Everyone thought I was crazy. And they're finally admitting it now because it's so like, fringe. It's so fringe. It's like, because when you actually look at the data, you're like, oh, hold on a second. Who's actually dying? Here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of people. Uh, and then they play the semantics game and the yes. definition game just to confuse people. And yeah. it's like, okay, but if I'm actually following the logic, you're fucking lying to me. It's like I uh, <clears throat> found it super frustrating listening to Rogan having uh, Dr. Robert Malone and then Peter McCullough on yeah. because, you know, I'm not a scientist. I'm not very educated in those sense. But when you hear them talk, they sound pretty yeah. intellectual. They, like, they don't seem like they're completely full of shit. They might be biased. They said one or two things I didn't like. For sure. Yeah, they, but they, and especially yeah. Peter McCullough was pretty <clears throat> off on a few things. Yeah. Well, yes and no. I have to remember that. I'm probably going to get this wrong. He had said... And this this is where you can use the excuse, uh, the data changes. Yes. Is that the numbers he was quoting were from the old strain. Yes. And he had not been updated on the new strain. Yeah. So the you can't get it twice up until that point was true. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, at the time they published the podcast, it had changed. Yes. And so that's why they're cherry picking. So stuff like that, is it... He just didn't, he wasn't updated yet, which is, is possible. Mm -hmm. Or he just doesn't want to admit that it had changed yeah. and he didn't want to admit yeah. that he's wrong about that. I found like, I found Dr. Robert Malone just seemed quite yeah. fair, you know, yeah. but then, you know, there's people in our, even in our jujitsu community yeah. who will just yeah, yeah. I can't, blast I can't them so them. and call them complete scumbags. It's like, yeah. can, is it fair to call Dr. Robert Malone like a scumbag liar? Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, did you even listen to the podcast? Well, a lot of people don't. Yeah. They, uh, there's a few names in the jiu-jitsu community locally that I am. I want nothing to do with anymore yeah. because it, I thought you were an open-minded intellectual and you're just a cultist mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Um, I won't name names. You probably know who they are. Yeah. Um, um, even like, all the, like, oh, the 30 doctors signed this petition to end Joe Rogan. It's like half most of those guys of, were fucking dentists and shit. Most like, of them were left-leaning PhD people yeah. who have nothing to do with medicine. Yeah. So you don't get to talk to but me that about was, trust your doctor and yeah. then use not even medical doctors. And that was Fox. their exact argument. was yeah. like, oh, Dr. Peter McCullough isn't even really a, Well, it's like you're doing, you know, it's just so No, funny. he's just the guy who came up with the technology that will help come up with yeah. the technology. Yeah, Dr. Robert Malone, yeah. yeah. These, these people cherry pick and then like changing definitions to say, oh, we got caught. Let's change the mm -hmm. definition. Well, the dictionary said, well, they just changed the definition of what vaccinated means. And it's, it's so hard for me to relate to because, yeah. well, you know, the only thing I've been doing longer than electrical or than martial arts is electrical. Yeah. Come from a greasy construction background. Nobody. Hey, Sparkies are one of the more competent groups this of people. Is, this, <laughs> is, this is true. This is true. Um, but like 
pre-2019, if I had the flu, I better show up to work. Unless I am physically dying, like, you show up to work. And you get everyone else sick, and everybody just gets sick, and then it just carries on. You know, for me, that's something that I thought Mm -hmm. people would learn. It's like, no, 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 you stay home if you're sick. Yeah. And I I really wanted that to be a positive outcome of this. I think that is a good thing. Yeah, you're still getting, though, people showing up. I know some people that are reverting to the old way. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, listen, if you're sick... yeah stay home because we used to get and that is one of the good things to come out of this is yeah. like especially in construction you would be peer pressured to show up to work even if you had like a high fever yeah you know and you so tough it out man yeah. you you don't be a wicked that's and that was that was it i would show up to work just to show them how ill i yeah. was and then they'd send you home yeah you know see i've never been like that like i i i'm not a physical person if i i've done manual labor like it's not like i'm above that i just can't do it very well because mm-hmm. i can't keep up with those kind of guys and i'd be like hey uh my knee's not feeling very good i'm not gonna lift so heavy today and they're like you're gonna be in a pussy and i'm like motherfucker i'm the only guy who hasn't been injured on this job okay do you understand why that is yeah. because you're all acting like a bunch of tough macho dickheads you guys are crippling yourself i'm just doing it through jujitsu not through this work <laughs> <laughs> i'm the intellectual and you know people just oh you're lazy it's like no i i physically cannot do what you guys are doing mm-hmm. so stop asking me to keep up and that attitude of of just show up and work is fine but not everyone can work like i'll give it to the union guys like hey young guy you're gonna tire yourself out if you keep working like that mm-hmm. i know a lot of them are just lazy i won't get into the union thing <laughs> but, um some of them are not but it's just you need that that nuance nuance is like dead it's yeah. like this person if they work at that pace, are they going to burn out in three weeks? If yeah. the answer is no, then cool, that guy can work at that pace. But hey, that other worker who's a really good worker, if they work at the pace, are they going to burn out in two weeks and have an injury? Well, I don't want them working that fast. Yeah. But that's a sign of a good, competent leader or boss who knows, like, yeah, he, I can keep him, him at that pace. I cannot keep him at that pace. Like, I'm sure you've seen this in martial arts, too. It's a, it's a longevity game, yeah. right? How many super talented guys have you see come in, yeah. go super hard for three or four years, yeah. burn themselves out, get injured, yeah. or be like... I'm making no money at this. Yeah. I need a job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I'm a half in that boat, half in that yeah. level, but it's still, I just, me being me, I don't work well with other people. So I'm yeah, still... but you've been, you know, that's why I said I've looked up to you for a long time because you started your gym a long time ago. Yeah. You started this podcast, you know, like you've been pushing for these things for a long Doing time. Doing things, trying. Yeah. yeah. But that's what it is. Like trying is, yeah. is, Iteration. The, is the battle, you yeah. know? And one day you hit it. It's like yeah. a cliche. It's a cliche, but it's uh sometimes i find cliches are based in reality it's that they say never give up on your dreams mm-hmm. now i do not like blind positivity i hate that shit. but it's like the reason why you'll get these stories of these guys who busted their ass for 30 years and all of a sudden hit success is because they kept doing it and just opportunity was there yeah so on that sense you do need to keep trying and going and eventually if you if you are good at it you may hit it mm-hmm. eventually However, this is where blind positive I don't like nine out of ten people don't though. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful of these stories. It's like you have to be willing to crash and burn and fail. Yeah. And, I know. and pivot and, and you may not succeed in the thing you want. Mm-hmm. But, but you'll if, get closer. Yeah, you'll get closer if you don't quit. Mm-hmm. And so like that nuance between like the, the Silicon Valley dickheads ruined it for everyone because now everyone can get a billionaire all overnight. Like yeah. and now with NFTs and stuff. Which is unless you're pretty much just money laundering, but Uh, yes and no. Like, I I changed my perspective on this. Is 
if you treat money, I think it was Jordan Peterson is talking about. If you treat money as simply an exchange of energy, mm-hmm. then everything is that. So <clears throat> if the value comes from I want, mm-hmm. you want, you need supply and demand. That's where value comes from. This whole idea that, oh, this is money laundering is like, well, what do you think the governments are doing? They're laundering oh. your tax money to do whatever the fuck they want. One of the biggest money laundering schemes was traditional artwork. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and that's to find the tax exempt. It's like, hey, man, if you're spending $1,000 on an NFT, that's not going to be worth anything in two years because the hype's gone. Well, you need to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. It's not a scam. It's you're just doing whatever works. And what you have to realize about NFTs often, it's who owned it. Yes. That makes it valuable. Uh, not necessarily. It's like a scheme for rich people to make slightly more money. But it's making a lot of people, if you look at it, it's making a lot of people incredibly wealthy that were not wealthy, Mm -hmm. then it's a good thing. Uh, And, you know, the whole point of a lot of that stuff is to take the control away from the governments, and they really don't like that. I think at the end of the day, you know something's wrong with the banking system when pictures of gorillas are being sold for (laughs) fucking a million dollars? I mean, and it's the way I look at it. You can say whatever the fuck you want about uh, cryptocurrency or NFTs, but here's the thing. You know why the price of it swings so wildly? It's because just like the stock market, Mm -hmm. 90% of it is owned by the wealthy people. Mm -hmm. So they're just following traditional investment uh, styles, Styles, which is we need liquidity, the market's going to be shaky, inflation, blah, 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 they're raising interest rates. Uh, my wife's into this stuff, so she took it a while, but she got me to understand nice. it. And uh, so basically, if all the billionaires are into it now and mm-hmm. all the tech people are into it now, guess what? One way or another, crypto's here to stay because yeah. they want it to stay. Therefore, yeah. it's going to stay. So even if you don't understand it or you think it's just a scheme or whatever, it's guess what? The guys with the power still drive how our society works and they want this thing to exist. The governments want it to exist because they can track every exchange on a currency if they have control of said currency. That's why a lot of governments want to have uh, their own digital currency now so that there's no cash. Yeah, You always want cash. Uh, and then other people want to use cryptocurrencies because it's not in the hands of the central bankers who can just mm-hmm. fuck with it and print money and devalue it because they want to fuck around. So there's merits for all these people. So it's like I tell people, like, I, I don't understand that much. I have, I'm putting investments and yeah. stuff, but it's like it's the future because the that 1% wants it to be the future. And and I'm sick of uh, being like I start I, I found out about Bitcoin when it was at like five thousand or something. Well, I found out about it in 2011 yeah. and couldn't get someone to teach me how to mine, and I'm very angry about yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, very angry. I got in and I and I started buying. Yeah, being a skeptic though, yeah. and I was like, this is higher than it's ever been. This yeah. is the stupidest purchase I've ever made. Um, Hodel. I ended up getting. I'm almost having a full Bitcoin. Yeah, and it boomed up to twenty three thousand. Nice, and. I woke up one morning in a panic. I'm like, I need to sell this right yeah. now. And my a good friend of mine is like, don't, man. It's to the moon. It's going to the moon. You need to hold on. It's going to go to 100. Yeah. Didn't sell it. Crashed back down to like 12. Yeah. And then I was like, it's over. Sold panic. it all. Yeah. And, and then, then skyrockets yeah. again. Well, you just have to look at it right now. I think it's at its bottom. The new, the the old, new bottom. The new bottom. Yeah. And that's where it is. By the nature of Bitcoin, it will only ever go up. Exactly. Bitcoin specifically, not other cryptocurrencies. Um, I've been, uh, the last one I started buying in was uh, CRO. Oh, Crypt- me too. Crypto.com. Yeah. I'm all, all, all in those yeah, guys. Yeah, I got that green. Yeah. Oh, you got the green one? Oh, yeah. Nice. Feel that, baby. You can see. Yeah. We won't put his name or card, <laughs> but the crypto one. Yeah. It's a Visa debit that's funded through 
Crypto.com. I actually started doing because they give good interest on their exactly. accounts. So I went, exactly. I am with them as well. I have the blue one because I didn't have as much, but yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a low-key flex there. Yeah, okay. low-key flex. No, but it's <laughs> it's like I don't trust the traditional guys. And let's say I'm I'm not the best with money and I made a lot of stupid mistakes. Hell but yeah. it's like I and I missed out on Bitcoin when yeah. it was like get rich overnight kind of shit. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, something like CRO is like it's low enough that you can get the volume that if CRO does what uh, BNB did or so basically there's cr crypto exchanges and every single one of the uh, crypt, uh, the coin that was created by these exchanges ended up being worth like $500, $800 a coin. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure CRO is going to do the same thing. I think so as well. And it's, rather than I gambling think, with some of the other stuff, yeah. I'm like, uh, and just some of the moves they've made, like yeah. they just signed LeBron James. Yeah. Um, they're the biggest sponsor of the UFC. They, yeah. they bought like one of the biggest arenas in the United States. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's owned by the Chinese communist party. Yeah. You, right. know? <laughs> like, it's not, you can't get away from the Chinese. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. I'm, I'm, secretly waiting for that war but i know they don't want to go to war no one wants yeah. to do that but i'm like at what at what point is china copying hitler because yeah. they're kind of copying his playbook mm -hmm. so if they go for taiwan is this like is this like the austria and then when they go for somewhere else like the philippines mm -hmm. or singapore is that the poland like at what point do we they're i mean they're doing genocide yeah. and they're doing they're doing that sort it's, of expansion they got like, a wild control and when people uh like when they started taking over taiwan it's like yeah. yeah, the world was like, eh, you can do it. Well, that's why I just, I... Did you see John Cena do that apology oh, video? That was the most embarrassing thing I'm more thing impressed ever by the fact life. he's got fluent Mandarin because he's a moron yeah. as a human being, but <laughs> that was it so was, sad. That was the weirdest. It looked like, yeah. you know, it was almost like a computer-generated yeah. video. Busted out fluent Mandarin. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, when did that moron learn that? That was wild. This is a guy who allegedly had real sex with Amy Schumer in that movie because his acting was so bad he couldn't fake sex. So they Hell actually yeah. had sex in that scene, Go apparently. Amy Schumer. Yeah, well, she burned, failed and burned real fast yeah. when she tried to get too political. You're like, get the fuck out of here, <laughs> yeah. bitch. You're not that funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just like, you know, I talk about this stuff with my students. I have to tone it down with the new people because they're like, what the fuck? But I'm just like, my perspective, sorry for everyone who's annoyed at hearing it for the million times. <laughs> as a Jew and Jews have forgotten this. Yeah. The Jews that were like me and were like, I need to get the fuck out of Germany in early 1930s. Were mm -hmm. like, I need to get the fuck out. Guess what? They survived. Yeah. All you other, all the, unfortunately, all the other Jews were like, no society and this and that. And you yeah. got to do, they died. Yeah. And people always, they're like, you cannot make that comparison. I'm like, no, you need to know when your society is about to turn on you. That'll never happen again. It's, it's kind of happening right now, guys. Yeah. No, it's not. There's no camps yet. I know that. This is how it starts. Mm -hmm. Luckily, there's backlash. Thank God. What's still. your? Did you grow up in Israel, or what was? No, I grew up here. Okay. Uh, so they, I call it the Hitler rule. Yeah. The Hitler had a rule that if you had one grandparent that was Jewish, mm -hmm. even if you didn't grow up Jewish, you're Jewish. You're going to the camps. Uh -huh. So when Israel was from 1948, it's uh, the law of right of return, which is something Palestinians get all upset about because they don't have it. Uh, but I won't get into that. That's a whole like three hour long conversation itself. Anyways, and they said uh, if one of your grandparents are Jewish, you can then apply for Israeli citizenship. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not that easy. Like you gotta like jump through a lot of hoops. They're very sketchy. Like about people. Like if you're if you, especially if you're didn't grow up Jewish, they're like what the fuck. Like that's weird. Like yeah. why would you do that? Um, so you know, I grew up Jewish, uh, and so I I had the opportunity. 
life wasn't going well here. And I was like, I want to go do something else. I'd been to Israel before. Uh, I wanted to do the military. The Canadian military was a peacetime army then. Yeah. I had a bad experience trying to get into them when I was younger. People were dicking around, so I was like, fuck that. Could also have done the British, but I was like, you know what? I think let's go find out what all this Middle East stuff is about. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going through that. Did not enjoy myself. No. <laughs> Came back. Quite the adventure. Right? I learned a lot uh, about stuff. Obviously, I learned firearm stuff. I learned mm-hmm. what the whole deal over there. I learned that as someone who's done security in the West Bank, I, I know what's actually going on over there. I can understand the perspectives uh, uh talk about misinformation there's so much misinformation oh yeah like it's insane how ridiculous the the shit that people believe about what's going on over there and Mm -hmm. it's like i heard ben shapiro to the whole conversation the whole thing it's not good enough like i am a little upset because ben shapiro is the first pro pro israel person to come on to try to explain the situation but he did not have he had like an hour and a bit on that podcast yeah and up until now, he's only he's only had, ever really had people who were anti-Israel, Rogans. He's never had people who are like, not like blindly pro-Israel, yeah. but like, listen, what you think the you actual know facts. Is, is not true. Like, I actually, I did the thing that everyone does. They listen to an episode of Rogan and like, fuck you, I'm not listening. He had Abby Martin on, who yeah. was a Russian, and she's so anti-Israel. It's crazy. And fucking Rogan believes everything she says. And I'm like, she's lying mm-hmm. about half of this. Like, I know she's lying yeah. about half of this stuff. Because some of the things she say, I know I'll, I was there. You've I've seen, seen it. it. Yeah. It's not to say, like, uh, the Palestinians have a shitty time, but it's, it's changing because the Arab world is turning on them now. Mm-hmm. As in, they're like, we're, we're tired of fighting your battle for you. You need to grow up. If you want to have a proper society, stop blowing shit up. Yeah. <laughs> And I the get, world's evolving. Right? I get the whole oppression thing, and it's like if I was a Palestinian, I'd probably be very angry too. But it's like, guys, just just a thought. Stop electing terrorists who yeah. steal all the money to create weapons and don't build schools. Yeah, just just a thought. Yeah, because the Arabs who live in Israel have a much better life mm-hmm. than the Arabs who live under the Palestinian Authority. Fact. Yeah. Just grow up. And it's unfortunate is uh, I didn't know this. I actually had a history professor here, a Christian guy, was telling me. So in the, the, the I'll do a quick history lesson. Zionists started Zionism was a group of people who were like we want a state of Israel in the land yeah. of Israel in the late 1800s. Theodor Herzl and uh, the early groups they started buying land from the Arab landowners, but the Arab landowners didn't live there. Mm-hmm. They lived somewhere else in England or wherever. Oh, okay. And they still were operating on serfdom. The peasants who lived there, that's where the story, like, I, my grandparents, it's like, yes, but you didn't own it. You were serfs. Yeah. And then the owners sold the land to other people legally. And it's not, I'm sorry, but the fact you don't understand that you didn't own that land. Yeah. Yeah. Is not the problem of the Jews. And it's just an education thing. And so they'll tell these stories. My grandma was kicked off the land, but your grandma didn't own it. Mm -hmm. They were farming it because they were still living in a surf-like situation. Whether you agree with it or not, that's just how it was. So the early... And then what happened was that the Jews started building water and helping the the farmers and the peasants. And then the Arab landowners who didn't sell were like, they're treating you better? <laughs> the Jews are poisoning the water. Yeah. And that's just, it just turns into legend and myth and ethos yeah. and bullshit. And then everyone, and uh, uh, the British, when they 
you know, there's the whole the British promised the Jews and the British promised the Arabs. They promised it both, guys. They lied to you both. Mm-hmm. The truth is the British didn't care about the Jews during World War II. They were losing their empire. They didn't really give a fuck. The soldiers did. And they gave the Jews the land thinking that the Arabs were going to wipe them out and being fully prepared to just see the rest of the Jews get wiped out. Yeah. It's a historical fact. Sorry, guys. We were ready. <laughs> Uh, by the way, Ben Gurion, who's the original prime minister of Israel, had been smuggling illegally planes and firearms into Israel for 20 years. Mm. That's how they had an army, and no one knew they did. So, if he hadn't have done the illegal thing, guess what? They would have been wiped out. But he'd built an army secretly of people who wanted to live there. Crazy. Right? And then if you, the people were like, Jews have no right to live there. It's like. I, I don't think everything in the Torah and the Bible is, is you know, 100% above board, but uh, there is enough archaeological evidence to say Jews were there 3,000 years before you fucks or mm-hmm. 5,000 years ago. So can you please stop pretending that that's not a place we were? Yeah. It gets more complicated than that. But yeah. Geopolitics. And, dropping knowledge. Yeah, I mean, just learn. Like, um, it's not hard. I got to, uh, so uh, maybe you've heard of this because you were in Israel, but in India, yeah. in uh, northern India... I think Dharamsala. There's a few different towns there, mm. but they call it the Hummus Trail. The Hummus Trail. Because all the Israelis, after they end, oh, yeah. finish their military, I don't know if they do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, they they go up into India and they all party up in these yeah. in the nor- in the Himalayan mountains. Yeah. They actually have documentaries about that because Israel, even though Israel does a lot of research on drug use for mm-hmm. medical purposes, uh, a lot of people went on to India and those places and came back drug addicts. Yeah. Right. And so there's documentaries about the lost soldiers that go up there. Oh, so, interesting. It, it, you know, every I don't know what it is now, mm-hmm. but when I was there... It's a bunch of Canadian-looking stoners yeah, getting high yeah. in the mountains. But, you know, every few years, the destination changes. For mm-hmm. a while, it was India. For mm-hmm. a while, it was Thailand. For a while, it was South America. It's yeah. like, this is where we're all going now. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, Israelis are the worst fucking tourists. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, they get annoyed. Uh, it's usually they start going to a country and then that country gets pissed off. So they stop like, stop coming here. <laughs> I just found like, I've never felt more like just like a, a coddled friendly Canadian than yeah. when I was, I partied with all these Israelis. Yeah, yeah. They're really nice guys, oh, yeah. but when like they a party, yeah. they've just come out of the military. Yeah. You know, they've potentially seen some real stuff. Like they're Depends all, when, they're, yeah, yeah. they're telling all these stories. This was in 2017 or something. Um, and there was a lot of, yeah, yeah but, Anyway, they would talk about, oh, I had to shoot this dog or I did this thing, yeah. and they get they drink, and then it's getting real serious. I wonder if he's just. I didn't. I'm not saying that. I wonder if he's just telling uh, you a movie plotline. I don't know. Waltz for Bashir. Uh, but the, the only thing I feel like it's just funny you mentioned that. Yeah. it's a movie. <laughs> oh, really? Line. Yeah. Because he would be. Uh, they'd be like crying and like yeah. really losing it. Yeah. And I'd uh, be like, man, I was watching Pokemon at yeah. that. You know, like. Yeah, it depends. So when depends when you serve. Like when I was there, it was actually relatively peaceful. Mm-hmm. There was a shit ton of riots. I had to do a lot of riot control and shit, mm-hmm. but there was no war, right? Yes, it's just yeah. throwing, they're throwing rocks at people again. Like, yeah. and for anyone who says, "Oh, they're just throwing rocks at you," motherfuckers have slings. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you get hit with that, you could die. Yeah. Uh, and people need to stop. That's a common like attitude. They have a rock. You have guns. Mm-hmm. Well, contrary to popular belief. The, like 99.9% of Israeli soldiers are very hesitant to shoot people mm-hmm. unless you're like charging at them with a knife. Like they really don't want to. I saw that. They, were there people there that I thought were inhumane, scumbag pieces of shit? Yes. And I, I got those people kicked out of combat if I was able to. 
most of the people are like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. If I'm going to be here, I'm going to be in combat. Most people are not interested in causing this. And when faced with mortal dilemmas, most of the soldiers are probably more moral than the Americans or mm-hmm. more morals than all other, other armies. Also, I'd like to say there's a lot of good looking female. Yeah. Until uh... about the age of 25 <laughs> yeah. when all the sun ruins their skin <laughs> yeah. and it turns to leather. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be careful in Israel because you'll be like, that girl is smoking hot. And they're like, yeah, I'm in high school. You're like, Oh, <laughs> Whoa, you have to be very careful. And they age then, quickly over there. Yeah, and then they hit 25 or 30, and then the sun gets them. Yeah. Because it's very hot there. So and, uh, they're out and about doing stuff. It's mm-hmm. not like the Asian culture where they're like, the sun, I'm a vampire. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Same with, uh, interesting fact, I just bought a house in Greece. Oh, nice. I mean, very random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, <laughs> it's dirt part, cheap. Dirt cheap. Yeah. Dirt cheap. And really, like, on an island near Proveza. Nice. Um, and so that was this last trip. I went to Greece to go reno the house, figured I'd hop over to Germany to go yeah. meet my dad, yeah. and then needed some sun, so I flew to Mexico. Yeah. Well, but uh, it's kind of the same with the Greek women, too. Like, yeah, in the sunny place. The sun does yeah. not do them well no, over there. And the diet. The diet and the sun, it's a bad combination. Right? Yeah, unfortunately, nice uh, people, though. for reasons, I won't be able to travel anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, that will go the way of the dodo soon. I think it will. Uh, and then I was supposed to go to Israel and Thailand, and then the pandemic hit. Yeah. Fuck. And then, like, uh, I want to go. I've, like, I've since then, doing the podcast, I've made reached out to all sorts of high-level Kramaga people, and I'm like, I want to go train with them now. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, when I was in Israel, I didn't do any training because I was in the military the whole time. Yeah. And then when you go home in the What weekend, was the combat, like, in the military itself? Or was it all more, so mostly guns? Oh, hand-to-hand combat? Yeah. I was in infantry. I had 10 lessons of Kramaga. I had done about a year of Kramaga prior to going into the military. I didn't learn anything new, and it was mostly about using your gun to defend. Yeah. So it's a myth that that I'm going to have to repeat ad nauseum. If anyone ever is like, I was in the Israeli military, I know Kramaga, you, you need to start asking questions. Yes. Where were you? What unit were you with? Mm-hmm. What did you do? And you really need to dig because a lot of guys will use it as a marketing thing. And I'll tell you, like, yes, I was in Israel. Yes, I was in the military. I didn't really learn Kramaga. That's not where you're getting your credentials I from. learned all my firearm stuff and the Israeli methodology from the military. Mm-hmm. Like, I was a sniper. Don't ask me to do it now. Yeah. I haven't done it in 10 years. Yeah. It is a use-it-or-lose-it skill. If you're mm-hmm. not long-distance shooting regularly, you, you lose it. I could probably get back into it again. I may or may not have the secret formula still <laughs> written down somewhere. <laughs> So, uh, you know, and it, was, it was actually funny. so funny when I was at the sniper school. What a lot of people don't know is you get American military that shows up to that school all the time okay. to do training. They rock around on their in, in the Israeli bases with their military fatigues, but they're not allowed to do it in public. So it's just for show. Anyways, Marines go there, uh, Delta Force, etc. And uh, I was talking to the Marines uh, who are all big dumb idiots. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, the joke is is that the Israelis were all like they're big dumb idiots, and I'm like, don't be stereotypical. And then they all showed up, and they're the biggest guys I've ever seen. <laughs> um, no, and uh, I was talking to them about the sniper school, and they're just like, don't tell them our secret. Like my commanders are uh. screaming at me in 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 Hebrew, and I'm like, blah, blah, blah. and then the, finally, it's so funny. We were watching TV. History Channel comes in. They're literally teaching you how to be a sniper. I'm like, it's not a fucking secret. It's on the goddamn <laughs> History Channel. Shut the fuck up. Like, and it, it sounds it, so much cooler to have a secret formula. I know, right? Well, the formula is the secret, but the concepts of how sniping see, works. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's just so funny. And then you watch like training videos of like the Ar- Iranian like guard, and you're like, I hope they don't discover the History Channel because the way they're training, they're training like morons. <laughs> 
they can just go on the history channel and learn how to do it properly. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and I, I actually asked that once. It's like, uh, why do the, there is like for every, uh, like one bullet that an Israeli soldier shoots, like the, the Arab terrorist leaves like 10,000 rounds. Like, <laughs> I'm like, why do they never, why I would expect more Israeli soldiers to die. Mm-hmm. And the answer is because they're not aiming. They're just, mm, they're literally they're doing firing. the, la, 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 la. yeah, yeah. It's like, you have to be careful because when they actually get their shit together and learn how to fight properly, which like Hezbollah did mm-hmm. in South Lebanon, it's like, oh, this is actually a problem. And that's why Israel did so well because even their militaries were so poorly trained that yeah. they just didn't have the technical skill to fight. And that's the se- that's not a secret. It's well known. It's if you learn how to do it properly, it's a problem. Then when everyone learns how to do properly, that's actually where we get in the Cold War mentality. Cause it's like, oh, I, they know how to fight a war. I, I know, know how to fight a war. war. Maybe we don't want to do this mm-hmm. until Ukraine gets invaded in about a week. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so my, uh, my dad was in the military yeah. in Germany, but it was during the Cold War. And he was kind of like what you were saying. He loved his military service yeah. in Germany. Some people do, time. some people don't. Um, and it depends. Yeah. He was... Um, he was based right on the border of Austria and Germany mm. on the mountains. Yeah. And he showed me all these old photo albums and stuff. Pretty cool to see. But mm. he was part of like an elite cross-country ski division. Oh, sweet. And they would just cross-country sw- ski to a lodge. Yeah. And then there'd be like pictures of him with chicks and booze and they're all partying in the <laughs> of lodge. Of course you're going to love that. And, and then they ski down to Austria <laughs> and like they come back. And that's all they did for uh, yeah. for most of any. I would have loved that experience too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just yeah. funny to hear him like, well, this is the, the Israeli, well, Israelis are actually not big drinkers. Mm-hmm. Like I went there and it's like you go to a bar and or you go to a club and actually a lot of people dancing are completely sober. I right? noticed that. I went to yeah. an Israeli nightclub they're, they're in, in India. Drinkers. Yeah, they're not big drinkers. So the military is dry. Mm-hmm. Well, Canadian, even Canadian military, you get back on even in Afghanistan, you go do your patrol for eight hours or 10 hours or whatever. You come back to base, you're off for a day, you're drinking. Yeah. Well, when you're on the base in Israel, you're on duty the whole time. If they want you to do something, you do something. They don't care how much sleep you have and there's no alcohol. You're, yeah. not, you're not off duty. And I was fortunate at least that I could go home every week. Mm-hmm. Some of my friends would go home every three weeks. So you, I actually think psychologically it's better if you stay on base. Yeah. Because then you're not like oh home and then you just embrace the sock and then it becomes normal and mm-hmm. then every, and then they would threaten like we'll take away your going home thing because they cycle the troops and that's like the worst like yeah don't you fucking dare i'll fucking kill you right <laughs> <laughs> and they never I, they never did in my case i went home every single week and i do think it made it worse i did develop alcohol problems mm-hmm. a little bit not problems i've I've always been a functional uh, functional person but I definitely started drinking because of the military. I'm yeah. not. I'm actually not drinking right now for other reasons. But mm-hmm. it's like, oh, good. I'm not a total alcoholic. <laughs> I can quit if I need yeah. to. Well, I found that, uh, like, prior to this job I'm working now, I've been in it for about eight months. Yeah. I did. I'd work for six or seven years in town. Yeah. But just adapting to this two week on, two week off cycle yeah. is what you were saying. Like, you there, you get no balance. It's either like going crazy at work, wanting to come home or preparing to go back to work. Yeah, and it's it, different. It yeah. definitely like I had to check myself a bit, too, because started to maybe drink a little too much. You just all of a sudden I have all this freedom yeah. and money. Yeah. And it's it's, it's free it's, time and money. It's, da- it's hookers and blow. <laughs> yeah, so, well, not technically, but <laughs> but about it's funny how many of these uh, these guys I work with. It's a big mining company. Yeah. Half these guys are really anti-vax, mm. but they fly into Vancouver once a month mm. and buy like street drugs off of hookers. 
Yeah. You know, it's like these are the unhealthy. You smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. Yeah. Like, you know, you're afraid of what you're putting in your body. It's yeah. pretty hilarious. Which is, it's, it's, on that note, it's like, why can't people ask the question, why don't you want to take the vaccine? Mm-hmm. And if you give a logical, reasonable explanation, yeah. it's like, okay, I have a friend who uh, in the past got the HPV vax, right, for cervical cancer, yeah. whatever. And she had severe neurological reactions. Mm. She can't take the vaccine. Cannot. Her neurologist was like, yeah, you should not take this. I cannot give you a exemption. Mm-hmm. She has a legitimate medical reason. And they had to convince the public that that doesn't exist. Yeah. It's like, that's a lie. That's just factually a lie. I think there are 100% people who shouldn't take it. Oh, yeah. Um, it's I, not as much as the hardcore anti-vaxxers people say, but the, uh, the way I look at it is any medicine. Do I personally need to take this to make my life yeah. better or healthier? It's and like the, I never took the flu shot. Yeah. No. The answer for actually a lot of people under a certain age, the number of what age is hard to say. I, I like to say 40, just throwing it out mm-hmm. there. Uh, but probably the answer was no, you didn't need to take this thing. Yeah. And what, you know, it is a weird thing because I know four people who got myocarditis. Yep. And ended up in the hospital. I know a couple of and people myself. They all just, you know, like right after. But the it, you can't even talk about yeah, that, even yeah. though it's quite, yeah. like clearly that is what I've never heard anybody getting myocarditis yeah. before this. You yeah. know. Now in Vancouver again, we had a fairly low death rate. Back to this topic. Mm. Uh, I don't know anyone who died of COVID, at all. It was mostly old people in old folks homes. Yeah. In Vancouver. Uh, and what they don't want to tell you is a lot of people picked it up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's a, pr- a problem prior to, like how many old people do you know prior to the pandemic, got sick with whatever, mm-hmm. went to the hospital and then died of pneumonia. Yeah. Where'd they get pneumonia? They got it in the hospital. Yeah. The hospitals are not the clean places. Yeah. They're spreading germs <laughs> left, right, and center. And the entire <laughs> model of the hospital it probably needs to change. They need you, you shouldn't be mixing contagious people with non-contagious people even in the remotely the same people with the same staff mm-hmm. and that's why they were covering up the with covid versus died of covid or died with covid because a lot of them got it in the fucking hospital yeah where they, everyone has it and it's just they don't they don't want to tell you that and it's like <sighs> so when when uh, there was a, a time there where india was quite well it's like what we were being told is india was freaking out about covid yeah you know? i saw the some videos of these cops just standing in the middle of bit of intersections it's like random people and they're trying to like chase the bikes with and hit them with the stick they love the stick thing yeah. over there i don't know what was going on with that yeah. but i uh i phoned my i call him my uncle goldie at the village i was living in in india yeah. and we're like hey man like how's covid going is everything okay there and he was like, you know how many things we have to worry about here? Yeah. Like, COVID is literally so low down on this list. I told people, have you, you care so much about the poor countries. Have you looked at Africa? Yeah. Nobody's dying. Not even, yeah. yeah. Nobody's dying. Or people are dying. Not nobody, nobody. But it's like the numbers there were like negligible. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, don't you think that if this thing is as bad as you're telling me. Yeah. And actually on Rogan, you know who kind of let it slip was uh, Gupta. Mm-hmm. He said, this is a Western rich country problem. 100%. Because of obesity. He didn't say it exactly like that, but it's basically that was why poorer countries are not dropping Mm -hmm. dead from this thing. Also, in one of the provinces in India, they were giving out ivermectin. It may or may not be true, because I haven't looked into it fully, that the study that the CDC used to debunk ivermectin was flubbed itself. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because the way I look at it is Japan used ivermectin, Argentina used ivermectin, Mexico used ivermectin, mm-hmm. India, India, one province, and every single place that used it, death rate. It was didn't ne- hurt. It did, death rate <laughs> was know? negligible. Yeah. So and uh, I don't know. I feel like Japan is fairly an intelligent yeah. country. Like they're probably not doing it for no reason. Yeah, know? it was just like we need to do something. And then, and then the the counter was, it's not the head of the doctors' association. It's the head of this so He's not the government. Yeah. It's like. But he's one of the top doctors in the country. Yeah. You fuckheads. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we've been going at it a little bit a while. Is there anything? It's almost four. Nice. Yeah. Is there uh, anything that you wanted to get in that we didn't? No, man. About? I think uh, I just kind of wanted to come here, reconnect with you. Yeah. Um, I think it was a you have time to roll for a bit. Yeah, we could do a awesome. bit rolling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. How can people find you, train you on the internet? Um, Instagram, Sharp Martial Arts. Yeah. Um, that's about it right now. I post all my content on there. Nice. Your garage gym. <laughs> yeah, my garage gym. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be having some pretty big upgrades come to it soon, so cool. that'll be uh, nice. going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, there's a little bit, little bit new stuff. Every you got the cage. I'm like envious of the cage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot of those things, but on my own and for pretty cheap too. Yeah, so nice. We yeah. can uh, have some conversations about that, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah. why not? How to set up your own garage gym yeah. before we yeah. clear out? Uh, you go crazy and lock yourself in your house for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was a blast, man. Awesome. I'm looking forward to like really like the setup you got going on yeah, here. Yeah. Work in progress myself. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on. And yeah, no uh, problem. Let's get to rolling. Let's do it. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Warriors Den podcast. If you like this podcast and our content, make sure you support us in the many various ways you can. The easy and free ways start with liking, subscribing, following, and leaving a positive review wherever you may be listening or watching. Listening to the Warriors Day. Warriors Day. Brought to you by Urban Tactics Krav Maga. Turning lambs into lions.